0: The 2nd and we are on Band for Racing Radio for Phoenix 2 NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off uh, Joining me for today's show for All of our season finales this Weekend is Jay Huseman Welcome to the show Jay
1: Well thank you Sharon and yeah it would be a great Weekend to be out in Phoenix Arizona With the championship uh, For NASCAR's top threes as well As the ARCA West uh, series, but mainly because it's not 30 and 40 degrees. And I know you're going to come back with what the temperature <laughs> is where you're at, but I moved
0: south for a reason. Actually, we're a little bit warmer here today than we have been. We've been like in the 30s. Uh, and I guess we're still 39 right now, but it's supposed to get uh, a little bit warmer today. <laughs> so that would help.
1: Uh. Man, I can't believe this. I mean, we've had low temperatures down here in Mississippi, but this is hitting a little early for us.
0: Yep. But you know what? I always go by the caterpillars, Jay. If the caterpillars have a lot of fur, it means it's going to be a cold, cold winter. But if they're furless and they, they don't have any fur, it means it's going to be a warmer winter. And I've seen a lot of furless caterpillars this year.
1: I did not know that, so while we're doing the show here, I am going to send my dog on a caterpillar hunt so I can prepare, I guess. <laughs> I will bogey. Go go take care of that.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to start uh, our show today with some upcoming short track races and news. Afterward, we're going to preview the season finale for the ARCA West Series race at Phoenix Raceway. And then in the next hour, we're going to target the NASCAR Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and Cup Series season finale races that are all taking place at Phoenix Raceway as well. And, of course, uh, after all of that, we are going to have our Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Bamper Racing crew, and it is a full house today as we have you, me, and Ryan Everly. Andy Lasky, and Mike Garzell all on board.
1: Well, you know, we got probably got more people than we kind of got some hot topics, but there's one big hot topic, and that is the championship four weekend. So I'm sure we can find (laughs) something to talk and argue about. I mean, discuss. Uh,
0: Yes, yes, I think you're right. But it's always friendly arguments here on Fanfare Racing Radio. All right. Most Uh, certainly. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get started with our short track news uh, for the upcoming weekend. Starting today, there's no races scheduled for Monday, so we won't mention Monday, but we've got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday here. So you want to go ahead and get started with that, Jay?
1: Well, that's what I know you said. The format was a little different here, so I'm trying to see how it's sorted by dates. But starting with today, uh, certainly going to cover the – World of Outlaw World Finals with the dirt track at the World the Dirt Track at Charlotte. Um that'll be three thirty PM on Dirt Vision. And then I guess the rest of November the,
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, that's for today. And then tomorrow it continues the World of Outlaws Finals, the Dirt Track at Charlotte, starting at three thirty again at Dirt Vision. And then there's also the season finale at Bridgeport Raceway or Speedway. And that is to be determined over on Flow Racing.
1: All right. Then moving to the fourth. That will be the World Outlaw World Finals at the Dirt Track at Charlotte, 3.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision, as well as the NARC Tribute to Patterson. I guess this moves into some asphalt. Uh Narc tribute to Patterson at Stockton Dirt Track at 7 p.m. That'll be on Flow Racing. At 7.30 it'll be weekly racing, the New Tulsa Speedway. And the final thing there on Flow Racing with a time to be determined is the season finale at Bridgeport Speedway.
0: Moving on to short tracks, we have the Cars Tour Caraway Speedway Race starting at 1.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. The other two races I mentioned here are both on Racing America, with times to be determined. They include the North-South Shootout Modified Races at Caraway Speedway, and at Citrus County Speedway, it's the Sandy DeCare Sprint Car Classic.
1: Then on November 5th, for the World Outlaw World Finals, the wrap-up, the Dirt Track at Charlotte, that'll be 3.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision, as well as the NARC Tribute to Patterson, that one will be at Stockton Dirt Track, 7 p.m. on Flow Racing. And then the finale, season finale again, Bridgeport Speedway. Time to be determined, but it'll still be on Flow Racing.
0: And another time to be determined on Racing America is the ASA Stars National Tour of the All-American 400 at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Check that out over at Racing America for sure. Uh, that's probably going to be one of the biggest races this weekend, and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing how that turns out. I believe that's their season finale, isn't it, Jeff?
1: Uh Yes, it should be. That should wrap up their season as well.
0: And we'll know who the champion's going to be. It's between Ty Majeski and... Why is the other driver escaping me?
2: Cole Butcher, we'll I believe. It.
0: Cole Butcher, that's right. Between Ty Majeski and Cole Butcher. So uh, it's going to be a really fun race to watch. Um, let's go ahead and hit on some of the news here. Uh, there's an article on Racing America. Austin Mason is seeking redemption at All-American 400, so he could be a spoiler for that race.
1: Certainly could be, and this is one of those that some of these uh, drivers do look for redemption um, or just to pick up that victory, as this is a, a highlight for the late model series, one of the, I don't know if it's considered one of their crown jewels, but certainly a top one. So they all want that All-American 400 victory.
0: Absolutely. There's also the history of the All-American 400. This is part two that's posted over at Racing America, the 21st century, and it's going to take a a look at the All-American 400 since the turn of the century. So uh, another great article over at Racing America.
1: And then you got Ruggiero looking for another big win during his historic season. That's another article that's up on Racing America, which won't open for me, so I can't give you the rest of the details on that, why it won't open.
0: And then there's the tale of the tape. Ty Majeski and Cole Butcher head-to-head this weekend for that championship in the ASA Stars Tour uh, series. So a uh, uh, big, uh, big article there that kind of features the two main drivers going for that championship.
1: And that is a big storyline going into that. We're talking about the championship four weekend at Phoenix for NASCAR's top three series. But like I mentioned, this one's going to determine that championship there with only eight point difference. And we know what kind of action short track racing and this race can provide. So certainly going to be an interesting one there in Nashville.
0: And if you're a subscriber to Racing America, you can watch all of the racing over the weekend. It starts Friday with the limited late models, legends, pure stocks, front runners, street stocks, and bandoleros that you can watch. On Saturday, uh, you can watch the Jake CRA All Stars Tour, Boris Compact Touring Series, the CRA Street Stock Series, and the All American 400 qualifying. Then Sunday, November 5th, is the All-American 400 for the ASA Stars Touring uh, Series, and you can watch all of that over at Racing America. Uh, Let's go ahead and move over to uh, Flow Racing, Jay.
1: All right. Well, there again, you're going to have some of the same storylines, but you've got uh, Derek Griffin uh, is going to be entering Bigly, sorry, uh, as they'll combine to look for a $30,000 plus payday.
0: Wow. Mike Marler explains his move at the Skyline Motorsports. Uh, you know anything about that, Jay?
1: A little bit. I, I saw last week where he had left, and I can't think of the team he left, but it didn't take long. That tells you the talented driver. Uh, one week, and he was in a new ride. I know Spencer Hughes out of Meridian, Mississippi is in a new ride. Going to be at that. Dirt Track uh, World Finals There in Charlotte So I've been watching that I haven't been on uh, Racing America yet But I got about Eight different drivers That showing their posts Via social media So keeping up to date On that for sure And yeah The Winfield Warrior With that new team uh, I'll just say I'm happy for him He got another ride Yes
0: indeed You have to check that out Over while racing as well also, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is getting back in the saddle for the South Carolina 400. You can read about that over at Flow Racing as well, or actually watch it.
1: And that's one, too, and it'll be interesting to see. I know there was some discussion with Kevin Harvick, Jeff Burton, and Justin Marks being involved in that. We've seen Junior be active. There was some uh, conjoling uh, when it came to the Xfinity Series anyway of trying to get all these guys into one race. And I think a late model race like that that they're running would be a great way as we've seen them elevate that series um, to national level, in my opinion.
0: All right. All right. Let's uh, move over to uh, short track scene Um, and Derek Enders Bigley. Uh Derek Griffin that is. Tim Curry and Finish Line Fabricating Race Cars will combine to seek a three thousand dust three thousand dollars plus thirty thousand dollars plus payday in the SRL national race uh that's coming up. So that's gonna be huge. It's uh he's entering the big League one twenty five. And let me see if I can get a start time here. Uh that race uh, is on November 24th to the 25th. Of course, this is our last preview show this year on Banff Racing Radio, but that is one for you to put on your calendar and watch, and I wanted to make sure we mentioned it today.
1: Then looking back, we got Ryan Priest having won uh, the race, but Ron Silk claims the title in the modified tour finale, and the provisional there's an uh asa stars uh, article there with the provisional all american 400 entry list which has 31 late models on it
0: that's uh, awesome there's also if you want to learn more about the asa stars tour uh they've released their 2024 technical regulations so kind of a preview into next season and some of the things that they're doing there um and some more features on Ty Majeski and uh, Cole Butcher, uh, just eight points separating them as they head into the title race uh, this weekend for the uh, All-American 400.
1: You mentioned All that right. been such a such a big race and that championship. Again, I'm so excited for that. Excited for Ty Majeski. I know he was looking to pick up both titles, the Truck Series and the Late Model uh, Series. Here, uh, came up a little short in the trucks, but still has a shot at this Late Model Tour.
0: Yes, indeed. So uh, that's going to be fun uh, to see how it plays out this weekend. All right, I'm going to move over to. Uh, we're going to move over to the Arca West race that's taking place this weekend. Uh, they're racing there for their season finale at Phoenix Raceway this weekend, and that ends the season for the Arca Menards uh, platform. So uh, let me give you some of the details of this race before we get started. Uh, the race is called the Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 100 out at Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. This Friday, that's tomorrow, eleven thirty a m mountain time that's going to be two thirty p m eastern time so don't forget to set your DVRs for this one There will be um, a delayed race shown uh November eleventh at two p m eastern but the flow racing will have the live streaming available so if you miss the uh live stream you can always teach the uh, uh what do they call that? Um, On-demand <laughs> uh, version of it. Um, there'll be radio coverage as well on ARCA Racing, and this is the one-mile paved trioval, so the 100 laps will cover 100 miles. So we've got a lot to cover here for this race, um, and the drivers that are going to be involved.
1: Well, when we look at the West Series finale at Phoenix, uh, that presents that one last chance for the ARCA win in 2023. Oh,
0: my page jumped. Even before the track started hosting races for the Cup Series back in 1988, Phoenix has long been a staple on the West Series calendars. Uh, Seven-time Cup Series champion Richard Petty took three checkered flags, from seventy-seven to eighty-four, with other notable winners including Bobby Allison, Kale Yarborough, and Neil Bonnett, that gives you a little bit of the history there.
1: All right, you're going to have to keep going there, Sharon. My page uh, jumped on me.
0: Okay, the late nineteen-eighties and most of the nineteen-nineties saw the West Series run a combination event with Cup Series at Phoenix before the race eventually branched off into the West Series standalone. Several of NASCAR's top competitors still found their way to Phoenix's victory lane in the West Series event, even after this change, with the list including drivers like Ken Schrader, Joey Logano, and Ryan Blaney. Now acting as the grand finale for ARCA in 2023, Phoenix will see competitors from both the East and West Coast coalesce in one last opportunity. Opportunity to obtain a victory this year before shifting their focus to all-season preparations.
1: All right, I'm sorry, this page won't load for me. It's jumping back and forth, and I can't can't follow along oh, with I'm you so there. I'm so sorry.
0: <clears throat> Even though he didn't lock up the West Series championship of Madeira, Madeira, Sean Hingarani enters Phoenix in control of his own destiny. Uh, Hingarani's rookie year with Venturini Motorsports has been nothing short of efficient. The Newport Beach, California native has amassed four victories, two poles, six top fives, and 385 laps led while piloting that number 15 Mobile One Toyota. So right now, he's got a 30-point advantage in the West Series entering uh, this Friday's finale. <coughs> Hingarani and his team will still face an uphill battle in the fight for the West Series owner's title. There's the number 17, operated by Steve McAllen, that leads Hingarani and Venturini by 18 points following a strong end to their 2023 season. Uh, That has seen that team win two of the last three races. Caden Honeycutt was responsible for those wins after taking over for Landon Lewis Following the eighth event of the year at Washington's Evergreen Speedway, Honeycutt is once again back in the 17 for the Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 100 as he looks to close out the owner's title for Steve McGowan.
1: All right, now I can jump in. There is, it, you know, that's oh, okay. been quite an interest, interesting story there for the West Series. But joining Hingarani and Honeycutt for Phoenix, there's going to be a plenty of familiar names with the other two ARCA divisions. Now, leading that group will be the 2023 ARCA Menard Series East Champion, William Sawatch, uh, who's looking to wrap up his stellar year by obtaining his first West Series checkered flag. And we also have NASCAR's Chief Hype Officer, Dylan Mamba-Smith is on the preliminary entry list for that Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 100. He's also a part-time driver. Smith will be making his West Series debut Friday, piloting the number 02 flagpole Buddy Chevrolet for Young Motorsports.
0: Now, there's some other drivers set to compete at Phoenix this weekend. They include three additional Venturini cars, driven by Dean Thompson, Tony Bridinger, and Chris Wright along with LeVar Scott, Sebastian Aries, Joey East, and veteran John Bornemann, the III. So uh, we can take a look at that entry list. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to preview it today, but there's a lot of names on this entry list.
1: Yeah, I will go down and start at the bottom. I didn't do a count on it of how many there were, but you mentioned it is a long list for sure. I'm going to start with the 05 of David Smith from Sydney, British Columbia, when driving the Shockwave Marine Suspension Seating. Oh, man, my computer is not happy with me today. Uh, Shockwave Marine Suspension Seating Toyota. Uh, cell phone team, we're going to have Brandon Carlson as his crew chief.
0: All right. And from the other side of the country. Here in the U.S., from Randolph, Vermont, is Dylan Smith in that O2 flagpole buddy Chevrolet. Tyler Young, of course, is the owner. Andrew Abbott is his crew chief.
1: Robbie Keneally is bringing his O1 machine. They're going to drive it himself. Comes out of Madero, California, and bringing Charlie Wilson with him for the Setting the Stage American Swim Academy coveries.
0: Todd Myers will be on top of the tip box for Landon Lewis, who will be this week in the number 97. He helps the Motion Isle Beach, South Carolina. He'll have American Resurfing sing on the side of his Cody Rohrbach Chevrolet. And Todd Myers, as I mentioned, is his crew chief.
1: And Mike Knocky is going to crew chief the Ford that he owns. That's the number 88, going to be driven by Joey East. Another one out of Madero, California. Have the Basila Farms Richwood Meat Sponsorship on the side.
0: Driving the number 71 uh, for his own race team is Nick Joannides from Northridge, California. He'll have Jan's towing on the side of his board, and Dave Jackson on the top of his pit box.
1: Coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada is going to be Kyle Keller. He'll be in the number 74 to Steve Bohan with Brian Kaiser calling the shots and Argus Construction Battleborne Racing represented.
0: It'll be Larry Bositis on top of the pit box for the Venturini owned 55 Toyota. Chris Wright will be behind the wheel. He hails from Wexford, Pennsylvania and uh, in that Venturini Motorsports uh, Toyota. In
1: the High Point Racing, a race car factory, That'll be the Huddlestons. Tim Huddleston as listed as the owner with Trevor as the driver of that number 50 Ford and Jeff Schrader as his crew chief.
0: All right. And the number 46 is Justin Johnson from Pahrump, uh, Nevada. He'll have Tillys on the side of his Ford for uh, Chris Loudon, and Rip Michaels will be on top of his pit box.
1: Well, Chris Loudon and Tillys is doubling down with the number forty-one Ford as well. Tony Jackson calling the shots, and that's for that journeyman John Borneman the third comes out of Ramona, California.
0: Oops. Okay, uh, let's see. Out of Pahrump, Nevada, just like Justin uh, Johnson is RJ Motherman. He'll be be driving the number thirty-eight John Wood Toyota with Cart Idaho on the side of his car and Mike Holloran on top of the pit box.
1: And from John, we go to Jack. Jack Wood's going to be in the number 28 Chevrolet for Mark Webb, along with uh, Shane Huffman on top of the box for the Chevrolet Performance Machine. Wood comes out of Loomis, California.
0: Okay. Give me just a second here. I had to. am kind of multitasking here. Okay, Bobby Hillis Jr. will be in the number twenty-seven this week for his own team. He hails from Phoenix, Arizona, so a local driver there. He'll have first impression press camping world on the side of his Chevrolet, and Tony Huffman on top of his pit box. I wonder if he's related to Shane Huffman.
1: I don't know. I'm not sure on that connection. Another Venturini machine coming west, though, is the 25 of Cody Breidinger. As she's from Hillsboro, California. But Caden Lampovich is going to be calling the shots for her.
0: Okay, calling the shots for the number 23, Joe Farsh, uh Toyota, is Chris Bray. They'll have Bradley Erickson from Phoenix, Arizona, behind the wheel, and another local, and L.S. Framing, S.P.S. S. Spencer-Clark Foundation on the side of his 20 hours in the side of his
1: car, and the 21 is all about the Nasmentos. Ethan Nascimento is going to be driving. Eric Nasmento Sr. is the owner, and Mike Nasmento as the crew chief for that Impact Transportation and Nasmento Joiner Paul Cardoso machine.
0: Shannon Rush will be on top of the pit box for own number 20. Dean Thompson from Anaheim, California, is behind the wheel. And MCM Transportation on the side of that Toyota this weekend.
1: Mentioned the East Series champion, the Arca Menard Series East champion, William Tawalich, going to be there out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota. The number 18, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He's got Matt Ross with him, as usual, as well as the Starkey Sound Gear sponsor.
0: Okay, sponsoring the number 17 McGowan-owned Chevrolet is MMI Sunwest Construction. Sean Matt Samuels will be on top of the tip box, but it's Kate and Honeycutt from Willow Park, Texas, behind the wheel of that number 17 Chevrolet.
1: And as always, the number 16 staple, or the staple of the number 16 Napa machine of Bill McAnally, the Chevrolet will be there. Tanner Wright will be the driver out of Henderson, Nevada. John Kimarelli, the crew chief.
0: I apologize for the phone. I can shut off one phone. I can't shut them all off. Um, where are we at, Jay? <laughs> Ryan uh, Sean Lillette?
1: Hingarani.
0: Oh, Sean. Okay, Sean Hingarani from Newport Beach, California, is driving the number 15 Venturini Mobile One Toyota this weekend. Kevin Reed, Jr. is on top of the pit box.
1: And then you have the other Rife from Henderson, Nevada. Tyler will be in the number 13. Kella Souza owned Ford. Michael is calling the shots for the Central Coast Cabinets machine.
0: Okay, Ryan Roulette, who will be driving the number 12, Minot, North Carolina. He hails from Minot, North Carolina. BFW Ballator Recruiting Academy will be on the side of the Hillenburg Fours with Jeremy Petty on top of the pit box.
1: And Jerry Pitts, uh, number seven, that he will crew chief, er, crew chief himself that Toyota. Brings the international flair of Takuma Koga out of Nagoya, Hichi, Japan, with Loop Connect on the side of it.
0: Okay, is it my turn, Jay?
1: Yep, uh, LeVar Scott.
0: Okay, driving the number six for LeVar Scott is... uh... Uh, the number six is LeVar Scott from Carneys Point, North Carolina. That's the Max Siegel Chevrolet, and Jamie Jones will be on top of the pit box for him.
1: The number four is another Nascimento machine, Eric Nascimento, the owner. Eric going to be driving that one out of Ripon, California. We've got the Impact Transportation Nascimento Joiner, Paul Cardasso sponsor, as well as Ty Joyner in his ear.
0: All right, and driving the number three is Todd Souza from Aromas, California, with Central Coast Cabinets on the side of the Ford, uh, Souza owned Ford. Jason Dickinson is the crew chief.
1: Some more international flair out of Bogota, Colombia. Got Sebastian Aries in the number two Max Siegel Chevrolet. He's got Rubbermaid as the sponsor, and Steve Plattenberg calling the shots for him.
0: Okay, and in the number one is Jake Finch from Lynn Haven, Florida, driving the Phoenix Construction Toyota for the finch uh team. Johnny Allen will be the crew chief.
1: And by my count, that gives us a total of 30 drivers entered for this weekend.
0: Wow, that's amazing, isn't it?
1: That's going to be awesome to see. That's what that's going to be.
0: Yeah, that's going to be awesome to see because, as we've mentioned, that is a short track. So that's a one-mile track, so getting 30 cars on that track and racing around is going to be pretty darn interesting. I'm looking forward to the race. Uh, and I'm going to watch it on Club Racing if I can get uh, get a chance to do that.
1: Certainly one worth uh, investing in. As you said, we saw that it's not just the West Series championship. The platform there with the top three series championship for weekend, we got some regular Arkham Series drivers as well as the East Series uh, makes for quite a huge event.
0: It does indeed. Okay, we're going to move on now to NASCAR's top three series, the Truck Series, the Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series all racing season finale events this weekend to determine the championship four title, uh, the title for each of those series among the championship four. Uh, and we're going to start with the truck series. And um, let's start with uh, the theme- at Phoenix Raceway this Friday, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern is the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series championship race. Should start at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will have pre-race coverage starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage is available on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race a distance of 150 miles over 150 laps. First two stages are 45 laps each, stage one ending on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and then the last stage is 60 laps, and that ends on lap 150.
1: Well, we talk about this being the championship uh, weekend, but some teams preparing for 2024 as we got Bailey Curry set to drive full-time for Nice Motorsports. They announced last week that Curry will return to Nice Motorsports in 2024 to race full-time in the Craftsman Truck Series. He's run a partial schedule in the number 41 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet here in 2023, making 10 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series starts earning three top fives and four top tens. His best finish on the season was fourth place, and that came in Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, although next season will begin Curry's first full-time effort in the series, he's not short on experience. The 26-year-old has made a total of 43 Truck Series starts, 111 Xfinity Series starts, and 12 Cup Series starts.
0: All right. Let's take a look at the rookie standings. I think it's no question who the Sunoco Rookie of the Year is, and that's Sanchez, Nick Sanchez, who dominates the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. As they head into the final race at Phoenix uh, this season, Rub Racing's Nick Sanchez has completely dominated the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. Mathematics hand, Sanchez clinched uh, the Rookie of the Year honors, but will not be awarded until he finishes the season in good standing, per the program guidelines and eligibility. Now, the 2022 Arkham Arts Series Championship has been leader of the rookie standings for most of the season, and in 22 starts, he's put up five pulls, two top five, and 11 top ten finishes. He's also led 304 laps this season. The 22-year-old made a deep run into the playoffs before being eliminated in the round of eight. He has a whopping 2,225 220, 2, points with eight awards. Uh, Second-place driver is Jake Garcia at 497 and five awards, Taylor Gray at 469 with three awards, Raja Karuth at 457 and two awards, Daniel Dye and Brett Holmes both have one award, uh, Daniel Dye with 384 points, and Brett Holmes with 303 points.
1: And I know some fans are about the manufacturer, so when we look at the Craftsman Truck Series Manufacturer Championship, following Carson Hosovar's win at Homestead Miami Speedway, Chevrolet clinched the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Manufacturer Championship. The manufacturer currently has 13 wins on this season, And four different manufacturers have won the Craftsman Truck Series title, led by Toyota with 13 titles, their most recent coming in 2022. Give Chevrolet 11, with theirs coming this year. Uh, Dodge with the Ram has three titles, last one coming in 2004. And Ford has two championships, the last coming in 2000.
0: All right, we'll take a closer look at the championship four drivers, and I'll need some help on this one, Jay. Uh, The Truck Series concluded the round of eight at Homestead, Miami, last weekend, locking in four drivers who will be competing to be crowned the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion. Carson Hosvar won the Baptist Health Cancer Care 200, his fourth victory of the season, and that locked him into his place in the championship four after making a late race pass on Ben Rhodes. As for the other three drivers we'll talk about here, Corey Heim clinched his spot after winning at Bristol Motor Speedway. Grant Dingfinger pointed his way in, five points above the cut line, with a fifth place finish at Homestead. And the 2021 Craftsman Truck Series champion, Ben Rhodes, earned the final spot on a tiebreaker uh, best finish in the round. Uh Rhodes finished runner-up after Zane Smith and the number 38 front row motorsports team were disqualified after a post-race technical inspection found an unapproved windshield support. The competitors this week uh, had the week off to strategize and get their trucks ready for the Craftsman 150 at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, again, that's tomorrow night. Uh, So now we'll take a look at the Ford drivers, uh, and I guess we'll start from the bottom up, Jay.
1: All right. Well, that'll give me covering Ben Rhodes, the number 99 Ford Racing Ford. He returns to Phoenix Raceway after finishing runner-up in that championship round of four last year. The 2021 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion is in in his sixth playoff appearance. Take his third start in the championship four round. He did that this year based off of uh, one win coming at Charlotte. Five top five finishes as well as 12 top tens. Leading 90 laps. The average start, 11.8. Average finish just above that at 11.4. For his career, spanning from 2014 to the present, Rhodes has had 186 starts. Seven wins, 55 top fives, and 102 top tens, along with five poles. He's led a total of 1,218 laps. Career average start, 9.3. Average finish is same as on the year, 11.4. When we look at his playoff stats from 2017 to the current year, he's got one playoff win coming at Las Vegas in 2017. But he's made a total of 41 starts, 14 top fives, 22 top tens, and two poles, leading 193 laps. Now The secret weapon, I guess, maybe, is crew chief Rich Lucius. But he's got six years of knowledgeable experience in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. He's accumulated three wins, 21 top fives, and 41 top tens in those 93 races. He's been paired up with Haley Deegan earlier in the season, before he was brought over to the 99 team back in mid-September. Now the dynamic duo Rhodes and Lucius won the 2021 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Championship together.
0: Okay, we'll move on to Grant Infinker driving the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet. He had to Phoenix to complete uh, the, to compete in the championship four round for the second time in his career. He has steady performances week in and week out, and the 38-year-old hopes to earn GMS Racing a championship in their final stunt. Now, when we look at his uh, 23 stats, he has three wins at Kansas, Gateway, and Milwaukee, eight top five finishes, 11 top 10, and one pole. 232 laps led. He has an average start of 9.9 and an average finish at 9.3. As far as uh, his entire truck series career, Infinger has 172 starts, 10 wins, 58 top-5 finishes, 101 top-10 finishes, and six pulls. He's led 1,131 laps. Average start is 10.3. His average finish is 10.4. As far as his playoff stats uh, from 218, 2018 to the present, four playoff wins was Las Vegas in 18, Martinsville in 2020, Indianapolis in 2022, and Milwaukee in 2023. He has 34 starts, 15 top five finishes, and 20 top ten finishes, and three poles. <clears throat> He's led 346 laps. His secret weapon is Jeff Hensley, his crew chief. Hensley's crew chief experience dates back to 1987, and he's made his mark in both the Xfinity and the truck series. He spent 15 years in the Xfinity series, compiling 11 wins, 46 top fives, 106 top tens, 13 poles in 427 races. Two notable names that he's worked with, in the series are Larry Pollard in 1987 and Chuck Brown from 89 to 1993. In 2004, he made his move to the truck series, becoming crew chief for Bill Lester. And since then, he's accumulated 22 wins, 124 top fives, 245 top tens, and 38 poles in 462 races. Notable names that he's teamed up with in the truck series. Mark Skinner from two thousand five to seven, Timothy Peters in twenty ten, Ron Hornaday Junior in twenty eleven and twelve, Johnny Sauter in two thousand fourteen. And in twenty twenty two Hansley started the year with Matt Crafton before he moved over to Grant Infinger. So another uh competitive championship board driver here.
1: And the third one I'm going to talk about is uh, the 42 number 42 of Nice Motorsports Chevrolet and that's Carson Hosavor. He heads to Phoenix Raceway looking to make his first career appearance in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series championship four round. The third-year driver has made the truck series playoffs uh, since his rookie season in 2020 but never made it out of the round of 10. Josevar is hoping to deliver Nice Motorsports its first Craftsman Truck Series title. On the year, Carson had a breakout year with four wins coming at Texas, Nashville, Richmond, and Homestead. Piled up 10 top five finishes and 12 top 10s. Led 260 laps. The average start, 9.3. Average finish, right there with everybody else, 11.2. For his career, Josevar has had 76 starts, Picking up those four wins from this year, 21 top fives, 33 top tens, as well as one pole, led a career total of 600 laps. The average start, 10.8. average finish a little bit higher at 13.1. When we look at his playoff stats, which range from 2021 through 2023 now, the one playoff win, which came at Homestead this year, in 20 starts, he's had five top five finishes and six top tens, leading 180 laps. I'm calling the shots for him is crew chief Phil Gould. He's got experience in all three NASCAR National Series as well. His journey first began in 2013 in the Xfinity Series with Brian Scott. He spent six years in that series compiling one win, 18 top fives, 77 top 10s and four poles over the span of 198 races. He also worked with Elliot Sadler in 2015 and Ryan Reed in 2016 to 18, before moving to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series in 2019, where there he spent almost the entirety of the season with Ross Jastain, who earned the most popular driver that year. Now, since then, he's been with the uh, Craftsman Truck Series for five years, He's accumulated seven wins, 31 top fives, 57 top tens, and two poles. The other notable names he's worked with in the series, you got Trevor Bain in 2020, as well as Ty Majeski in that same year, and then Brett Moffitt in 2021.
0: Okay, our final driver we're going to look at is also the number one seed, and that's Corey Heim driving the number 11 Tricon Garage Toyota. He's going to make his first appearance in the Truck Series Championship 4 round. The 20-year-old's first year with his new team has gone without a significant hitch. For his season stats, he's got three wins at Martinsville, Mid-Ohio, and Bristol. 12 top fives, 15 top tens, and three poles. He's led 564 laps. His average start is at 7.2 with an average finish, at 6.2. As far as his uh, Truck Series career, he's got 40 starts. that include five wins, 18 top five finishes, and 29 top 10s. That goes along with five poles. He's led 635 laps. has an average start at 8.2 with an average finish at 10.2. As far as his playoff stats for this season, He's got one playoff win at Bristol in six starts. Excuse me. In six starts, he has five top five finishes and six top ten finishes. He's led 156 laps. Heading uh, his pit box is crew chief Scott Zippadelli. His experience dates back to the 2000s. When he made his mark in both the Xfinity and the Truck Series, he spent 10 years in the Xfinity Series, compiling three wins, 35 top fives, and 91 top tens in 272 races. Some notable names that he's worked with include Kenny Wallace from 2011 and 12, Justin Algauer in 2013, and Kyle Larson in 2014. In twenty fifteen he made his move to the truck series, becoming crew chief for ben kennedy and Since then he's accumulated eighteen wins, sixty eight top five finishes, one hundred and seventeen top tens, and nine poles in just two hundred and four races. Other notable names that he's teamed up with there include Ryan Truex in 2017, Brett Moffat in eighteen, Austin Hill from nineteen to twenty one. Tyler Ingram this earlier this season. Zipidelli led driver Brett Moffat to the NASCAR Truck Series Championship in 2018. So uh, a lot of uh, strength in all four of those teams, Jay. And I just want to mention before we move on uh, some, some other stats for their performances at Phoenix Raceway. Corey Heim in one race there uh, he had a top with an average finish of 7.0. Carson Hosfer has four races at Phoenix. That uh, includes two top tens, one DNF, and an average finish of 18.5. Ben Rhodes has eight races at Phoenix. And those races include four top fives, uh, five top tens, and one DNF. His average finish is at 8.4. And Grant Infinger has six races at Phoenix, including one pole, two top fives, three top tens, and one DNF, with an average finish at 10.8. So that gives you a lot of information for your fantasy pick this weekend, Jay.
1: I was going to say, as you're saying that, I know you tagged that I was up next, so uh, go ahead and make a breaking news announcement here. The other three championship contenders have been taken. I'll take that fourth one and grant in Grant
0: Infinger. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you got the next segment here.
1: Oh, I, I thought we were going to move on to the Xfinity series there. I know we got one minute left, but the four fighting for that championship uh, battle is going to be a tight one for sure. Craftsman Truck Series concluded the round of eight at Homestead Miami Speedway last weekend, locked in those four drivers we just mentioned. This is Carson Hosevar picked up his fourth victory of the 2023 season, pushing himself into that position. Now, Corey Heim had already locked his spot in at Bristol Motor Speedway. Grant Enfinger pointed his way in, uh, finishing five points above the cut line, after the fifth place finish at Homestead, and then mentioned 2021 Craftsman Truck Series champion Ben Rhodes earning that final spot on the tiebreaker, and that was based on the best finish in the round. Rhodes had finished runner-up there after Zane Smith and the 38 team were DQ'd. I think that was the part you led into the intro to this, wasn't it? Uh, no, I read uh, a different
0: part.
1: Okay. Um, but that's how the four got their way into this championship four.
0: Okay. Now, uh, just so you know, the Craftsman Truck Series will kick off the championship weekend with practice on Thursday, November 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern, and they'll make their qualifying runs on Friday, November 3rd at 6.05 p.m. Eastern. Oh, okay, let's move on to the Xfinity Series. I was doing something while you were talking, so I don't know. You may have repeated that. Okay, let's look yeah, at the we're Xfinity Series. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series championship race at Phoenix Raceway is this Saturday, November the 4th, at 7 p.m. Eastern. USA will carry pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. 200 miles, over 200 laps. For the first two stages, they're 45 laps apiece again, and the final stage will be 50 laps. Is that right? Yeah, it'll be 110 laps, I'm sorry, and we'll end on lap 200.
1: What do we have in the Xfinity? Chevrolet clinching another manufacturer championship here for the Xfinity Series. That was based on the win by Chevrolet driver Sam Mayer two weeks ago at Homestead Miami Speedway. Chevrolet picked up that championship in the Xfinity Series for 2023. They solidified that by posting that win, uh, or another win, sorry, last weekend at Martinsville by justin algar chevrolet has won 17 of the 32 xfinity series racing races thus far this season and it's the 25th time chevrolet has won the oem championship in the series and the seventh in a row so they're definitely on a streak.
0: yes indeed okay looking at the rookie of the year class wrapping up their season Oh, the contenders are finally at the finish line of their inaugural season in the Xfinity Series. So Sammy Smith found success in his first season in the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota and currently holds the 2023 Xfinity Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings by 39 points over second-place driver. Smith has posted one win at Phoenix, six top fives, 14 top tens on the year, and also has earned a spot into the playoffs this season, but he was eliminated in the round of eight. Chandler Smith also had a strong season in the number 16 college racing Chevrolet this year. He's second in the standings, posting one win at Richmond, eight top fives and 12 top tens, and he also made it into the round of eight in the playoffs. Parker Retzlaff posted some solid finishes in the number 31 Jordan Anderson racing Chevrolet this year. He had a strong start at Daytona in the season opener, finishing fourth, and then went on to post seven top ten finishes on the year. Blaine Perkins made 29 starts this season with a best finish of 13th in the first Martinsville race.
1: Well, this weekend uh, could be a family affair, as we're going one of the names we're going to talk about here in a minute. The Nemecheks, though, could add their name to the prestigious list of champions. Uh, NASCAR fans have always seen multiple families come through the ranks over the years, from brothers to father-son duos. The most notable are the ones, though, that managed to have enough success to take home championships. This weekend, if John Hunter Nemechek wins the NASCAR Xfinity Series title... The Nemecheks, with Joe Father and now John Hunter, his son, would become the first father-son duo to win the championship in the Xfinity Series and the sixth father-son pair to accomplish the feat in NASCAR's top three national series. They would join the Pettys, Jarrett's, Elliots, Earnhardts, and Pearsons. Just a quick look here. uh, Lee Petty and Richard Petty uh, at the cup level. Lee Petty had three, and Richard obviously seven. Uh, Ned Jarrett had two in the Cup, and Dale Jarrett won. Bill Elliott and Chase Elliott each have one in the Cup. And Dale Earnhardt has seven in the Cup Series, whereas J- Dale Earnhardt Jr. has two in the Xfinity. And then David Pearson has three on the Cup side, where Larry Pearson had two on the Xfinity side. Now I think we're going to break down our four championship four contenders.
0: Before we do that, I just want to mention Joe Niemicek actually won the Xfinity Series title in 92, and now his son, John Hunter, will be competing for that 23 championship. So uh, it would be his first National Series championship if he were to win it. Yeah, let's take a look at the uh, four championship four drivers. It's been a wild ride for the Xfinity Series drivers this season, and now it's time to crown a new champion. Four drivers are pulling in all, on, putting it all on the line this weekend. They include junior motorsports teammates Sam Mayer and Justin Aldauer, and Joe Gibbs Racing uh, driver John Hunter Nemechek, along with Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer. So let's go bottom up, Jay.
1: All right. Well, I'll start with that double zero Stuart Haas Racing Ford. Just recently re-signed for next year, Cole Custer, the 25-year-old. Has a memorable year highlighted by the fact that he won the inaugural Street Chicago Street Race. He racked up two wins there at Portland and Chicago, 13 top fives, 20 top tens, and led a total of 490 laps. As he heads into this weekend with a driver rating of 103.7, that's the third best in the series. For a playoff recap, Custer had a strong start in the round of 12 as he posted a fourth place finish at Bristol. 6th at Texas, and then runner-up on the Charlotte Road course. These top 10s were enough to clinch him into the round of 8, where he posted a 3rd at Las Vegas, 13th at Homestead, and then a 19th at Martinsville. The 2023 season marks his fourth playoff appearance. His first was in 2017, where he made it to the round of 8 and ultimately finished the season 5th in the final standings. He's no stranger, though, to competing in the championship four, making it to the final round consecutive years in twenty eighteen and nineteen, where he finished runner-up in both. And look at Phoenix Raceway stats, the Ladero Ranch California native has made seven starts at Phoenix Raceway, posting two top fives and five top tens. In the crew chief corner, it'll be Jonathan Tony. Now Tony is new to the NASCAR world as he's in his first season competing in the NASCAR national series and is first with Custer.
0: Okay, looking at John Hunter Nemechek in the number 20, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, the 26-year-old has had a standout season posting seven wins at Auto Club, Martinsville, Atlanta, New Hampshire, Michigan, Kansas, and Texas. That includes 17 top fives, 24 top tens, and he's led 1,017 laps. He adds into the rate. Weekend with a driver rating at 111.1, which is the series best. His playoff recap in has stayed consistent throughout the entire postseason. He kicked off the round of 12 with a third-place finish at Bristol, a win at Texas, and closing out the round with that eighth-place finish at the Charlotte Road Course. He came in strong in Las Vegas with a runner-up finish, followed by a third-place at Homestead, and unfortunately an 18th-place finish at Martinsville. The 2023 season marks his second playoff appearance and his first time in the championship board round. His first appearance was in 2019 when he made it to the round of eight and ultimately finished in seventh place. At Phoenix, Mooresville, North, North, North Carolina native is quite a pro on Phoenix's one-mile track. He posted a top ten finish in each of his six starts there, and his best finish was a fourth place in 2019. His crew chief is Ben Bashore. The 2023 season marks Bashore's first full-time season with Nemecet. He ran one other full-time season in the Xfinity Series in 2020 with Harrison Burton when he was able to rack up four wins, 15 top f- fives, and 22 top tens. The year before, in 2019, he ran a few races with multiple drivers in the Xfinity Series, seven of which were Kyle Busch, who posted four wins. He also ran the full-time seasons with Busch in the Cup Series in 2021 and again in 2022.
1: Well, that'll bring us to the little gator, Justin Algar, driver of the number 7 Junior Motorsports Chevrolet. The 37-year-old Justin Algar is the most seasoned driver in the championship four field and will, without a doubt, leave it all on the table, uh, or on the track, actually, to snag his first Xfinity Series title. He's had a successful season, posting four wins, coming at Charlotte, Daytona, Bristol, and coming off that one at Martinsville. He's also picked up 14 top fives, 19 top tens, leading a total of 643 laps. He heads into the weekend with a driver rating of 105.2, which is second best in the series. To recap his playoffs, Algar hit the ground running in the playoffs, immediately clinching his spot in the round of eight with that win at the first race at Bristol. Then went on to post a fifth place at Texas and close out the round with a 37th at the Charlotte Road Course uh, due to an incident. But he also had a strong start to the round of eight we had a sixth place at Las Vegas, 15th place at Homestead, and then came back with a bang to win at Martinsville. The 2023 season marks the eighth time he has made a playoff appearance, and he's the only driver to compete in all Xfinity Series playoffs ranging from 2016 to 2023. Additionally, he has appeared in the championship four round, a series leading six times. In 2016 or in 2016 17 and then 19 20 22 and 23 uh, let me look at his phoenix raceway stats the spalding illinois native is a veteran on the phoenix's one mile track he's posted two wins in 2017 and 19 nine top fives and 17 top tens in 26 starts and he's got crew chief james pullman with him from the crew chief corner the 2023 season marks pullman's first full-time season though in nascar national series and his first with all he had his first stint in the nascar cup series in 2011 with juan pablo montoya where they managed two top tens in their 17 races together he also had a one-off race with ross chastain in 2020 and then Austin Dillon, in, and Austin Dillon and Austin Hill in 2022. Then he dipped his toe into the Xfinity Series last season with Sheldon Creed for four races where they picked up one top ten.
0: All right, the last driver we'll look at is Sam Mayer driving the number one junior motorsports Chevrolet. 20-year-old Sam uh, truly found his footing in the Xfinity Series this year and became a force to be reckoned with. He went into the season winless in the series and now heads to the championship race with four wins. (laughs) He won at Road America, Watkins Glen, the Charlotte Road Course, and Homestead. He has 12 top fives, 18 top tens, and 177 laps led. He also heads into the weekend with a driver rating of 91.2, which is the best in the series. Looking at his playoff recap, Mayer didn't have the strongest start to the 2023 playoffs. He he finished 35th at Bristol, 38th at Texas, but then he turned it around with a win on the Charlotte Road course to lock himself into the round of eight. The win in the final race in the round of 12 must have given him the momentum he needed because he kicked off the round of eight at Las Vegas with a fifth-place finish, followed by another win at Homestead, which clinched him into the championship board. He closed out the round with a 20-finish at Martinsville. Now this season marks his second playoff appearance. His first stint in the playoffs was last season when he made it to the round of eight and ultimately finished in seventh place. Uh his Phoenix stats, the Franklin, Wisconsin native has made four starts at Phoenix, posting a best finish of eleventh. Now Marty Lindley is in the crew chief corner here. It marks the first Full-time season in the Xfinity Series with Mayer. However, he's no stranger to working with young with the young driver, as they ran three races together in the Truck Series in 2019. Lindley also had stints in the Truck Series in 21 and 22 with multiple drivers. His longest stint was was, was with Corey Heim last season, 16 races. And in his three years in the Truck Series, he was crew chief for 48 races, posting six wins. 16 top fives, and 23 top 10s. So there you have your championship four drivers. And you have the next segment, Chase.
1: Well, and that sets the stage for those championship four drivers, and they're ready for Phoenix, that moment we've all been waiting for, the championship weekend. They wrapped up the round of eight last weekend at Martinsville Speedway with that win by Junior Motorsports' Justin Algar they'll now look to crown the new Xfinity Series champion with the title on the line on Saturday, November 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern. That'll be on the USA Network, the NBC Sports app, or MRN and Sirius XM radio. Now, Phoenix has hosted 43 NASCAR Xfinity Series races, produced 24 different race winners and 23 different pole winners. 11 of those races have been won from the pole at first starting position, as most recently by Ty Gibbs in last year's Xfinity Series championship. Now, Cup Series regular Kyle Busch, he made a name for himself at the track. He holds the record for most wins at 11, poles at at 10, top 10s at 21, lead lap finishes at 24, laps led equals 2,237, and he's tied with Kevin Harvick for most top 5s at 17, all that just in the Xfinity Series. Now the race at Phoenix Raceway will be sure to keep fans on their toes for those four drivers that have taken the checkered flag at the 1-mile track. Now Justin Algar, the only one of the championship four with a championship four drivers with a win at Phoenix under his belt. He's got two in 2017 and 19. But you also got Brandon Jones, who did in 2020, Daniel Hemrick in 2021, and Sammy Smith in 2023. This season marks the fourth time that Phoenix Raceway will play host to the NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship race. And it started in 2020 and run through 2023. From 2016 to 19, the season finale was held at Homestead Miami Speedway. Since the inception of the playoffs in 2016, six of the seven championship races have, won, have been won by a championship four driver. Daniel Suarez in 2016, Tyler Reddick in 18 and 19, Austin Sindrick in 2020, Daniel Hamrick in 2021, and Ty Gibbs in 2022. I think the only one in there that wasn't the case was the 2017, and that was Cole Custer when he did it at Homestead. Now, the Xfinity drivers, they'll hit the track for their final practice session of the season. That'll be on Friday, November 3rd at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be on the NBC apps. And then their qualifying sessions will be on race day, Saturday, November 4th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be covered on the NBC app as well as USA Network.
0: All right. Now we'll move on to the Cup Series. They are racing this Sunday in their championship race. let me scroll up to the details here. There's a lot of info here. All right. They're racing their race Sunday, November the 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. NBC will carry free race coverage starting at 2 p.m. with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race 312 miles over 312 laps. First stage ends on lap 60. The second stage is 65 laps ending on lap 185. And then the final stage will end on lap 312. So Jay, I know we've got All a lot right. of info here. So we're going to have to keep All right.
1: All right, well, we'll start with uh, Diplo as he's going to perform as his country persona, Thomas Wesley, at Phoenix Raceway. They announced that the Grammy award-winning artist and multi-platinum producer Diplo is going to perform the pre-race concert prior to the Cup Series finale as his country persona, Thomas Wesley. It'll be a free concert for fans who hold tickets to the Cup Series Championship 4 race on Sunday, November 5th. Thomas Wesley is uh, from Tupelo, Mississippi. No way, Tupelo, Mississippi, by way of Daytona, Florida, and it's his native Diplo's country moniker. This spring, he re- released uh, "Diplo Presents Thomas Wesley Chapter Two Swamp Savant," which is a new album featuring collaborations with Sturgill Simpson, uh, is Johnny Blue Skies, as he's known as, Dove Come. Dove Cameron, Morgan Wade, Parker McClellan, and more. And that follows his country debut of the 2020's gold-certified Diplo Presents Chapter 1, Thomas Wesley Chapter 1, Snake Oil, which featured the six-time platinum-certified single Heartless, again with Morgan Waller, gold-certified tracks, Dance With Me with Thomas Rhett, and Young Thug and Lonely, the Jonas Brothers, as well as more. His 20-year career began with the now legendary Philly nightclub & Trox. Uh, Diplo has collaborated with the world's biggest stars and toured the world over. He was born in Mississippi but raised in Florida. He is an era-defining label. Nad Decent continued to champion genres and artists from around the world and further ventures, including a publishing company and various book, film, and TV projects. Now, the 13 Grammy nominee is also a member of the iconic Major Lazer, which is one-third of the LSD, the psychedelic supergroup with Sia and Labyrinth, whose debut album been streamed over three billion times. That's half of the Silk City with Mark Ronson, whose platinum-certified Grammy Award-winning electricity with a Lipa topped the charts worldwide. Diplo has also released a self-titled album last year, his first full-length of electronic music in 18 years that features U.S. Dance number 1s A Higher Ground, the Deep House imprint he launched in 2019.
0: All right. <clears throat> Phoenix Raceway is going to be Kevin Harvick's last. Uh, Cup Series race with Stuart Haas Racing. So Phoenix just recently announced that it's going to honor the 2014 Cup Series champion Kevin Harvick by renaming the Drag Strip Road to Harvick Lane. It also revealed that the retiring star will make an appearance in the track midway on Saturday, November 4th, one day before he competes in his final Cup Series race of his illustrious career. Now Harvick Lane is Phoenix Raceway's primary pedestrian thoroughfare and it leads fans from parking lots from the parking lots in the Geico Gecko Campground to its main entrance. It's appropriate that it's named after a driver who's won the most races at Phoenix in history. Across 41 Cup Series starts, Harvick has nine wins at the one mile oval. And in addition, Harvick is currently on a 20 race streak of top ten finishes at Phoenix, which is tied with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty for the most consecutive top finishes ever at a single track. So very nice to see them renaming that, uh, that uh, walkway.
1: Well, and some other milestones with uh, Kevin Harvick's retirement from some driver starts. We've got two that are going to make some big ones this weekend. Denny Hamlin will make his 650th NASCAR Cup Series start Ricky Stenhouse Jr. will make his 400 Drivers I think we've that have received, 10 or more
0: Yeah, we've yeah, already, already mentioned Those guys. things before Yeah, let's okay. move on uh, to The Manufacturers Championship at, We mentioned that Chevrolet has clinched the Cup Series Manufacturers Championship So uh, that's all good And then the next topic is The Rookie of the Year update, Jay
1: And Joe Gibbs Racing's Ty Gibb has mathematically clinched the 2023 Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors now, but again will not officially be awarded it until he finishes the season in good standings per their program guidelines and eligibility. Uh, He ended the season with 755 points and 32 race awards. Noah Noah Gregson had 199 points and won the award three times. On the season, Gibbs made 35 starts, collecting four top fives and ten top tens. His average starting position for the year of 14.1, an average finish a little higher, though, at 18.3. He has led 112 laps and again picked up 32 Sunoco Rookie of the Race awards.
0: We mentioned Kevin Harvick racing his last race in the Cup Series, but also his teammate Eric Almarola. Is running his last race, Kevin Harvick from Bakersfield, California, Eric Almorola from Tampa, Florida. So uh, Morola is making his 460th Cup Series start this weekend at Phoenix. He completely competed in the Cup Series from 2007 to the current year, that's 16 years, and has run full-time since 2012. twelve. has been a consistent driver throughout his career. He has three wins, 30 top fives. 96 top tens and six poles. He earned a spot in the playoffs five times, 2014, 18, 19, 20, and 21, and finished a career best fifth in the 2018 uh, standings. Arvik is making his 826th career start this weekend at Phoenix. He's competed in 23 straight seasons from 2001 to 23. He's an assured first-ballot Hall of Famer, amassing an impressive resume behind the wheel. 60 cup wins, 7.3% winning average, 251 top fives, 30.4% of top five percentage, 443 top tens, 53.6% in that percentage, and 31 polls. Plus, he's tied with Denny Hamlin for the series' most playoff appearances all time. With 17 each. He's also tied with Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Bush for the series most championship four round appearances with five each. His successes don't end there though. He's also earned the Cup Series regular season championship in 2020 and the overall Cup Series championship in 24. I'm, I'm sorry, in 14. The first year, that was the first year of the Elimination Style four round.
1: Well, before we break down our four championship four competitors, take a look at the chances a spoiler steals the show at we, this weekend at Phoenix. Since that introduction of the win-and-your-in elimination style playoff format, the eventual champion has won the season finale race, which was at Homestead Miami Speedway or Phoenix Raceway. Each of the nine previous years, the, win, the champion has won that race. In 20, Starting back in 2014, it was Kevin Harvick, then Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and Joey Logano. Now, still at Phoenix Raceway hosting a championship event, there is a chance a driver outside of those championship contending four could win the race on Sunday. The name that rises to the top of the list uh, is wins leader at Phoenix Raceway, Kevin Harvick. He spent a career mastering the one-mile raceway, putting up nine series victories, including four playoff wins. The SHR driver failed, though, to make the championship for this season, so the Californian would like nothing more than to steal a win, especially as it'll be his final time behind the wheel in full-time competition. We do expect Harvick to run well this weekend, as it is his best track. He leads the series in wins with nine Top 5's 20, top 10's at 30, laps completed 12,783, leading out 1,699 of them, and an average finish of 8.6. Now, Harvick hasn't finished outside the top 10 in his last 20 series starts at Phoenix. When he finished 5th there last November in his season finale, he set a new record for the most consecutive top 10's at a single track with 19. Previously, it had been tied with NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt, who had earn, earned 18 straight top 10s apiece, and that was at North Wilkesboro. Harvick's 20th straight top 10 at Phoenix came by way of his fifth place to finish there in March. Another one to watch this weekend, though, that'd be last year's champion, Team Penske driver Joey Logano. The Connecticut native has won three times at Phoenix in his career, including this race last season. In total, Logano has made 29 starts at Phoenix, putting up eight top fives and 16 top tens to accompany his three wins. I know the chances are there, but I, I think this championship four are too strong.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. All right. I'm moving over to the uh, championship four news and notes here. Uh, the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series championship four drivers in alphabetical order, uh, so there have been long days and nights over the course of the season and have added up now the four best drivers of the year will do battle this weekend, vying for the championship title in the Cup Series. The stage is set for Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell, Hendrick Motorsports' teammates Kyle Larson and William Byron to contend for this year's title, and the prestigious Bill France Cup Trophy which will be awarded to the highest finishing driver of these four competitors at Phoenix Raceway. Kyle Larson in 2021 is the only former cup champion, and the four, with Blaney, Bell, and Byron looking for their first quarter titles this season. Let's take an in-depth look at those drivers. Yeah, let's go in uh, alphabetical order here. Starting with right, the Christopher Bell, or no, it would be said... yeah, Christopher Bell.
1: Okay, I haven't been able to find the uh, Championship Four Edition there for some reason. Oh. Was that on Was okay. that on Jasky's homepage?
0: Um, I've got it through the media website. Let me look and see if I can find it on the. Phoenix Championship Weekend. Special you want to go
1: edition. ahead and start? Yeah.
0: And it, is on, it is on J-Skis. It's the NASCAR Cup Series Special Edition Championship for and Out. I'll go ahead and get started until you can All kind right. of catch up there. there uh, we'll start with Christopher Bell driving the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He has two career appearances in the playoff round of four in 23 and 22. He also has two Cup Series wins in the 23 season, four top ten finishes at Phoenix, four stage wins during the 23 season, six is the number of Cup Series career total wins, He has a 5.6 average starting position through the first nine races of the playoffs, and an 8.6 finishing position through those first nine races. Not 0.5 is the average starting spot for the first 35 races of the season. And 10 is the number of top time spot finishes for the season. 10.0 is the average starting spot at Phoenix, with 12.3 representing the average finishing spot at Phoenix. He 16 playoff points accumulated in 2023. 19 is the number of top 10 finishes during the season. 83.6 is the career driver rating at Phoenix. That's fourth best among the championship fours. 92.0 is the season-to-date driver rating, which is fifth among the active drivers this season. 599 is the total number of laps led this season with a career high, which is a career high in the single season. 8,760 are the total laps completed, on the season at 97.5. Christopher Bell seeks his first career cup title this year, uh, and he'll uh, join the Cup Series in 2020, and ever since the 2017 Truck Series Championship has been building momentum. The 28-year-old Bell has competed in the Cup Series uh, for all four seasons, qualifying for the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs in three of them, 21, 22, and 23. This season marks the second time that the Oklahoman has earned a spot in the Championship Four round. He did so by winning the round of eight race at Homestead, Miami. he now hold the record for fewest career starts in the series before making the Championship Four at 107 last season, but he's also the only driver in the National Series history to make the championship for a round in three, all three of NASCAR's National Series. Uh, So that's the Truck Series, the Xfinity, and the Cup Series. If Bell were to win the Cup Series title this weekend, he becomes the first NASCAR Cup Series driver from Oklahoma to win a championship. In Bell's first appearance in the playoffs uh, in 21, he advanced to the round of 12, but he was eliminated from the postseason following an eighth-place finish on the Charlotte Roval. He ultimately finished the season in 12th, and it just jumped on me. And Bell's uh, championship campaign was slow at the beginning of the season this year, uh, but following his win at New Hampshire uh, to earn a spot into the playoffs, he found another gear. He went on to work his way through the playoffs, winning the round of 12 at the Charlotte Roval, the round of eight at Martinsville, elimination races uh, that helped him to advance to the championship court for the first time in his career. At Phoenix in the season finale he started seventeenth and finished tenth in that race, uh ultimately landing third in the final championship standings uh previously. Bell proved to be one of the best in the playoffs. Still gives racing uh star uh was in the round of four for the second consecutive season, and now the 28-year-old is poised to go after his first career cup title. He shot out of the gate in the playoffs, sitting on the pole for the first three races in the opening round. He put up a 23rd place finish at Darlington, then finished eighth at Kansas and third at Bristol to advance to the round of 12. He stayed consistent in that round, finishing uh, the Charlotte Road course, then he was third in points. Bell's previous performance at Phoenix Raceway. Uh, he ranks top 20 in several key pre-race loop data categories. Um, and his uh, crew chief is Adam Stevens. We're going to have to really race through here. Let's just go through the stats part of it, Jay. Um All right. Starting well, with, pick up with on Blaney. Num- yep. Pick yeah. up
1: on the number tw- twelve of Team Penske's Ford. Ryan Blaney, run down the numbers. Get uh, one career appearances in the NASCAR Camp- NASCAR Cup Series Championship 4, three race wins in 2023. A 5.5 average starting position at Phoenix Raceway. Six different wins, stage wins during the 2022 season. And six, top five finishes at Phoenix Raceway as well. Seven is the number of top five finishes in the first 35 races for 2023. Ten, number of tens, top tens at Phoenix Raceway. 10.3 is his average finishing position during the first nine races of the 2023 playoffs. 11.9 average finish at Phoenix Raceway. 12.6 12.6 is his average starting position during the first 35 races, 12.8 average starting position during the first 9 races of the playoffs. A 14 is the total number of playoff points accumulated and a 14.4 is his average finish position during 2023. Is 88. Oh, and this 17 is the number of top 10 finishes. 88.3 is his season-to-date driver rating, which is seventh best among active drivers. 98.2 is his career driver rating at Phoenix Raceway, which is best among the championship four. 429 is the total laps of lead at Phoenix Raceway. 560 is his total number of laps in the 2023 season. And then 8,748 total number of laps completed in 2023, which is 97. Point three percent Now Blaney is in search of his first Cup Series oh, 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 championship.
0: That's how, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get to William Byron so we can get to the other one. Okay, William Byron in the number twenty-four Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet has uh, one playoff appearance in the Cup Series championship for this, in that's this year. He has one Cup Series win at Phoenix. Uh, he has one top five finish at Phoenix and six top ten finishes at the track. Six is the number of uh, NASCAR Cup Series wins this season at the career high. 6.3 is the average finishing position for the first nine races of the playoffs. Eight is the number of stage wins during the season. He's tied with Larson for the most. 11.2, three stats here for that number. Average starting position during the first nine races, average finishing position in the season and average starting position during the first 35 races of the season. 11.3 is the average starting position at Phoenix. 11.9 is the average finishing position at Phoenix. 14 is the number of top five finishes in the first 35 races this year. Top 10 finishes during the first 35 races of the season are 20. 41 is the total number of playoff points accumulated. 91.5 91.5 is career driver rating at Phoenix, 98.1 is a season-to-date driver rating, and 921 are the total number of laps led for the season, career high, and 8,752 is the total number of laps completed for the season, representing 97.4. Real quick, let's do with our last driver, Kyle Larson, and those stats for him.
1: All right, two is the number of career appearances in the Cup Series Championship, as he did in 2021. Four is the number of Cup Series wins in 2023. 6.4 is his average starting position at Phoenix Raceway. Seven, number of top five finishes at Phoenix Raceway. Eight is the number of stage wins during 2023, which was tied for Byron with Series Most, 10.5. Average starting position during the entire season so far 11 is the number of top 10 finishes at re- re- Phoenix Raceway 11.7 is his average finishing position there 11.9, that's his average finish during the first 9 races of the 2023 playoffs 14 is the number of top 5 finishes on the year and 15.0, his average finishing position 17 is the number of top 10s that he's had on the year, and 24, that's the total number of playoff points he accumulated. Big numbers, 382, is laps led at Phoenix Raceway. 96.4 is his season-to-date driver rating, third best among the active drivers, and 97.7 is his career driving rating at Phoenix Raceway, seventh best among active drivers. 1,127 shows his laps led on the year and 8,628, the total number of laps completed in 2023
0: at 96.0%. All right, we're going to head right into NACT, our Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and I'll start introducing everybody. Let's start uh, with Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy.
3: Hey, good afternoon.
4: How you doing, Sharon?
0: Doing great. Also, we have Mike Orzel on board. Welcome to the show, Mike. Yeah, good afternoon. I guess we got a full house today. I'm glad to be a part of it. Okay, and we also have Brian Everly with us. Welcome to the show, Brian.
3: Hey, how's it going? I was already used the full house line as well, but it looks like Mike beat me to that. Yeah, full panel. Looking forward to some fun this morning or this afternoon, depending on where oh. you're
0: at. Okay, Mike, let's uh, start us off with our first topic. Sure, I'd
2: like to start off with a follow-up that we've got from a topic that we discussed at length on Monday's show. We talked a lot about the reaction to Sheldon Creed and his actions at the racetrack at Martinsville on Saturday, and some of the harsh words that were said, particularly by Andy Petrie. I'm not a regular watcher of Race so if Jay saw the segment, I know he watches the show more regularly than I do. Apparently, Petrie uh, was very apologetic about it. Uh, he admitted that he was wrong for what he did on pit road. He said that he was mad in an apparent brake check, and he knew that going into the restart, they both weren't going to make it. He said that once they got the car back to the shop, though, they found that there was a part broken on the number two car, and that's what caused the issue for Creed. It wasn't an intentional brake check, and he didn't slip in the speedy drive like we were speculating on the show as well. Importantly here... He did reach out to Sheldon Creed to apologize, and he said that the best medicine for Richard Childress Racing and for Sheldon Creed is to put the number two in victory lane this weekend and end on a good note. Remember, Sheldon Creed is leaving the team, and this weekend at Phoenix will be the last race for Sheldon Creed in that Richard Childress Racing number two. So some really interesting developments about a pretty spicy story over this past weekend.
0: Okay, Brian, you weren't with us on Monday, so we are anxious to hear your thoughts. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think um, obviously a little bit maybe just, you know, heat of the moment stuff coming from, you know, Petrie and Creed. And, you know, I don't think any of us really know exactly what went down with Creed being able to the team this year, if it was his decision, the team's decision, a little of both. It it does seem like maybe something's just been off there, um, the back half of the season with them for sure. Um, But, you know, I think kind of crazy how you think something happened and we all make opinions and judge, and then you kind of find out what the – actual story is and, and what actually happened and a part breaking on the car. So, you know, uh, kudos to Petrie for having to, you know, go on, on TV on the race hub and in front of everyone to admit, hey, man, I, I was wrong, I overreacted. That's obviously probably not something that anyone enjoys doing, but kudos to him for kind of, uh, you know, stepping up and, and, and taking ownership of that there. And I think, you know, it just kind of comes down to in the moment. I'm, I'm sure there is frustrations amongst, amongst all of them. And I think, you know, uh, it would be kind of cool to see them go out and win this weekend. But I think, again, just overreaction by by especially on social media everyone loves to be fired up and just uh, rip off silly random opinions without really knowing the facts and I think uh, this is a, a situation where that happened and we got the true story to kind of come out this week and you know Petrie stepped up and said hey man I like, I I was wrong so could of that I've always really liked Sheldon Creed since his days at MDM Motorsports or um back in the Arca series so uh looking forward to him um some point here, I think they'll probably announce he's going to Joe Gibbs Racing. I'm guessing they're announcing, waiting until after the season's over and, and they get the playoffs out of the way. But, yeah, I think uh, really an uh, interesting story, obviously probably one of the hot topics of last weekend for sure, and kind of interesting just how that whole thing transpired from, you know, what it was like Saturday and throughout the week on Saturday. It was like, oh, I don't think RCR is going to have Creed in the car, and everyone's just all up in arms. And, and now it's a, kind of a completely different story. So uh, a, a great topic to talk about for sure.
0: Okay, Andy, you were also not with us on Monday night, so I'm anxious to hear what you have to say.
4: I think it all boils down to emotions. Um, you know, we as race fans get emotional sometimes in the heat of the moment during the race when we watch it. Can only imagine how people that work for these race teams feel as well. I think I've always respected Andy Petrie. I still do um, as, a, as a person that's been in the sport a very long time. So, to me, I just chalk it up as, you know, emotions immediately following an on-track incident and, and a chance at a Final Four spot that, that evaporated in the late stages of that race. But, you know, they had a chance to win. It didn't happen. So, obviously, there's going to be some frustration there. Um, I think, <laughs> and, and this thing can be said for Richard Childress, too. He was quoted as saying that Sheldon, you know, wasn't, one of the smartest people he's had behind the wheel. And I'm not going to say exactly what he said because it was pretty pretty crappy of Richard to say that. My only response to that was I think he's forgotten the long list of some other drivers he's had in the past because I don't think Sheldon Creed is by any means the worst driver he's had drive for that team. So um, it's just here at the moment. That's all it is. And hopefully, like Andy Petrie said, they can go out and end on a high note this weekend um, before Sheldon moves on to uh, Greener Pastures.
0: Okay,
4: Jay. A lot of a lot of lessons
1: to be be learned here. Uh, one of them was we talked about that a uh, sobbing out of character for Andy Petrie. Uh and it was a heat of the moment. Two cars possibly going to the championship for, neither one of them do, um, and he had that moment. But we knew what kind of a person he was, and he displayed it again. Class act as a person and as a leader. Uh, He mentioned he had actually reached out to Sheldon Creed before they found out about the issue with the car, knowing that what he had done wasn't appropriate and he he didn't handle himself, and he was so disappointed with himself in that, especially being that they found out what was wrong with the car and he had no option of steering it um, with what got bent on the car in the bumping and banging. Um, Second life lesson there that I take from it is Make sure you have all the information before you make any kind of decision. I know we all react out of emotion. I am guilty of that. Would never try and deny it. Um, But that's something we all got to work on. And I thought Andy Petrie, on a national television show, did the right thing and and admitted his fault. And like I said, he was disappointed in himself.
0: Yeah, you guys have put it so well. The only thing I'm going to add is I wish there would be apologies uh, Uh, Coming from R.C., RC, Richard Childress, as well as uh, Austin Hill as well, I think they should publicly make some apologies. Um, And uh, uh, I I give Sheldon Creed, um, I know he, he handled it as well as he could be handled, I think, given the circumstances. So I think we were all right in a lot of respects. We didn't see that he did anything wrong. And uh, I think a lot of other folks saw the same thing that we saw. So, Mike, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are.
2: Look, anybody who's been married for any length of time knows the three hardest words for a man to say is, I was wrong, right? So I've really got to respect Andy Petrie for that, for coming up, especially – it's one thing to do it in private, go to Sheldon offline off and say, hey, man, I was, I, was off, I was over the line. I said some things that I shouldn't have said. But the fact that he was willing to go on Racing up and publicly say it and, and say what he did, I've got to give him a lot of credit for that. But at the same time, you can't unring that bell. Not just Andy Petrie, but Richard Childress Racing in general. You can't unring that bell. And the fact that they, not just again, not just Andy Petrie, but Richard Childress off Hill, hell and seemingly the entire RCR organization the fact that they were so quick to jump on Sheldon Creed and very publicly disparage him like that, it tells me that there was more beef there than just one incident on the racetrack uh, and, and basically a lap and a half at Martinsville. That had been There's something there that we don't know everything about, but there's something there that has been building for quite some time between Creed and Richard Childress Racing, and it just kind of came to a head on Saturday night. Unfortunately, it came to a head via circumstances that in hindsight, were incorrect. Creed did not make a mistake, at least not intentionally so. Apparently he had something mechanically wrong with his car that put him in the position that he was in. But the fact that so many people, and, and, and not just underling nobodies, I'm talking about people in leadership positions, including the team owner himself, were willing to almost immediately very publicly say some pretty hurtful things about Sheldon Creed. It speaks pretty uh pretty negatively about Richard Childress racing as an organization. And the apology from Petrie is great. It's appreciated, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it puts all that toothpaste back in the tube there. Uh, there's some ugliness there and I don't think that that Sheldon Creed being glad to leave, I don't think that's gonna that, that's gonna smooth that out any. I think Sheldon's still looking forward to putting this next race of Phoenix behind him and walking out of the door of Richard Childress racing for the last time. It's unfortunate. It's a sour way to go, but again, kudos to Andy Petrie for being willing to to publicly say that he was wrong. I would like to see something similar from Richard Childress. Wouldn't fix everything, but looking at social media, there are a lot of fans who have expressed that they've lost a lot of respect for the organization of Richard Childress Racing, not not just the individuals, but the whole organization. This has been kind of a black eye for them. So for them to do something like that, and then especially not have RC come out and say something personally himself, it's not a good look for the organization, even with Petrie's apology. So maybe we'll see a little bit more from it. To be honest,
3: I don't know if we will, though.
0: Okay, Brian, follow-up?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's clear that, that Creed himself and our, our our organization are probably just glad to be parting ways at the end of the year. Um, but I do... Uh, I just, yeah, so much happened in that incident last week. I had almost forgotten that, you know, uh, RCR had made those comments, or Richard Kills had made those comments about Creed being the dumbest driver, stupidest driver he's ever had. And I think we all know based on some people that Richard's had in his cars over the years, that's definitely not true. So uh, I think just some bad blood there. And I think, uh, you know, they can move on to different teams, although they'll both be in cars running up front most likely next year in the Xfinity Series. So I think we'll uh, maybe we'll have a – Maybe we'll have a really good rivalry kind of developing there going forward.
0: Okay, Andy, you follow up?
4: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I was also taken aback by the immediate blame towards Sheldon um, by not just Andy, but also Richard Childress. Um I, again, I think a lot of that is just heat of the moment. It's just that you don't publicly see a team owner disparage their own driver like that too often. So it was certainly an interesting incident. Um, but, you know, although it hasn't been announced yet, it seems like Sheldon's probably going to come out on the better end of this deal for next year. So if I were him, I probably wouldn't stress about it too much. Uh, I think he's got a lot to look forward to there. Um You know, as does RCR, too. I mean, it seems like, you know, they're headed in a really, really good direction with Jesse Love next year. We all know how big of an arc of season he's had this year. So maybe it's for the best that these two parties are moving in their respective directions for next season. And and who knows, maybe they'll both be better off as as a result of this split. Jay, your follow-up?
1: Yeah, I think the other one that has to get uh, a good amount of kudos is Sheldon Creed himself. Uh, even with what came at him, um, you know, obviously his own frustration of not making it and, and what happened when things came at him, he expressed his defense and his position and a little bit of frustration, but you heard him say it. I'm going to go out at Phoenix. I'm going to do what I can for this team. I am leaving this team, but I am going to do my best to finish out with them. You never heard the retaliation um, comments his frustration was just the fact of the situation and i know mike was saying of you can't unring that bell but there's a huge difference in character yes that was out of character for randy petrie but he immediately made amends uh, i think if we were to see something from rc now it would be even now be perceived as damage control more than anything else because it didn't come immediately um, following the situation like it did with Andy Petrie. So I think at this point, even if RC were to come out with something, I'd put it up as a political uh, damage control type deal. So I don't feel it would be sincere, but that's between them. I, I just, I got to give big shout out to Andy Petrie as well as Shand- uh, Sheldon Creed for how they handled themselves. Um, Sheldon more so because he did handle it in the heat of the moment, but we all make mistakes. Andy Petrie made one and he he attempted to
2: correct it.
0: Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. The kudos go to Andy Petrie and Sheldon Creed. Um it's embarrassing for Richard Childress though and I think for Austin Hill as well. Um they didn't have all the facts and they made they jumped to their conclusions. It is heat of the moment. I get that. But uh they did react. I think Kyle Putty put it Kyle Penny Put it the best when he talked about Richard Childress and uh, he said uh, calling Sheldon Creed the dumbest driver he's ever worked with. Well, Richard Childress needs to remember he's the man who hired him. So what's that say about him? So I'll leave it at that and Mike will let you wrap it up.
2: You've got to feel good for Sheldon Creed knowing that he's leaving that organization. Um, we don't know officially where Creed is going. Obviously, there's been some pretty, uh, pretty firm and maybe substantiated rumors as far as where he's going from there. But either way, you've got to feel good for him leaving an organization like Richard Childress Racing. It's unfortunate because RCR is a very competitive team. They were in a position to put two cars in the Final Four this year. It didn't work out, but they were in the position that if things had gone their way, they would have had half of the Final Four would have been Richard Childress Racing. But the fact that that team was willing to jump down his throat that quickly and especially that publicly – is a big, big red flag for that organization. You look at some other teams that have had their drivers do things that are probably a lot, even if Sheldon had nothing wrong mechanically with the car and he had done something like that, intentionally brake check a teammate, I know that absolute worst-case scenario, you, could you imagine Justin Marks or Rick Hendrick or Denny Hamlin, any of those team owners, can you imagine them publicly disparaging their driver immediately after the race? Think about Justin Marks with Ross Chastain. Ross has done some very, very questionable things on the racetrack that were absolutely a result of poor decision-making on his part. And was not apologetic for it. He didn't make excuses for his driver, but he also didn't publicly disparage his driver in the media immediately after the race. He would say kind of ambiguous things like, yeah, we know about it. It's something we're working on. We're going to talk to him and things like that. He didn't call his driver stupid. He didn't question his driver's ability or his willingness or anything like that. So I think that's a big character problem at Richard Childress Racing, that not just RC, but other members of the organization, their other driver, uh, Andy Petrie, et cetera, were very public in their criticism and personal criticism, like personal attack kind of things, against their driver who was just racing to put their car in the championship for. That's a major red flag for that organization. And Sheldon Creed leaving, that doesn't fix that problem. There needs to be some kind of introspection there at Richard Childress Racing and, and realize that, hey, maybe we should, at the very least, give our, ben- our drivers the benefit of the doubt. And even if we don't do that, maybe we don't publicly drag them through the mud, especially before all the facts are known. Because in hindsight, this is a big black eye for Richard Childress Racing, and as a whole, they're going to be climbing out of for quite some time. All
0: right, Uh, Brian, you get to pick
3: our next top topic. All right, I think uh, from our little team chat, let's go with the comments that uh, Rushbrook made on on Haley Deegan and kind of her performance so far um, in the truck series as she moves up to the
0: Xfinity Series next year. Okay, Andy, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, obviously Mark, um, you know, had a lot of comments this week about a lot of different things, but specifically to, to Haley Deegan, Um, I think that he was fairly truthful in what he said. I don't think that he sugarcoated a lot. My only concern, I guess, is, you know, basing optimism off of one race result. But the fact is that Xfinity Series race she did um, was last year at Las Vegas in what was effectively a Stuart Hoff car. And she did pretty respectable. I think it was like 13th or something like that. So, I guess that's where their optimism lies. Um, I, to be honest with you can't even try to speculate what next year is going to be like. Um, she's with AM racing next year, which is kind of a B level Ford team, not an A level team. So I, I don't know. Like, I mean, the truck series, as Mark put it, really hasn't gone. I think the way they hoped there have been some, some bright spots here and there, but an overall disappointment, um, You know, I think it's probably the best way I would describe her truck series tenure. So we can all hope for the best um, for next year. Um, But it's really hard for me to say how it's going to go. I don't know. You know, I guess guess only time will tell. And, you know, this time next year we can come back and revisit how her rookie season is. But, you know, I can already, you know, I can already look ahead and and tell you that there will be people that will – Paul a disappointing season next year because of the fact she was a rookie so the, the excuses are already lined up for the the next year and the year after so I don't know I I've had a lot of high hopes for Haley since she came into the sport um I want her to do well I think that it's important she does well but it's been a struggle you know and I I I got to give Ford a lot of credit though they have stuck with her and they are continuing to stick with her and obviously see something that I don't. So I guess that's really all that matters is what Ford thinks since they're the one putting the bills. So we'll see what happens. But I, it's really hard for me to say how she's going to do next year.
0: All right. That puts Mike up.
2: Did, uh, did Jay get to go this round or am I before Jay? I don't want to cut him.
0: Oh, Jay, go, Jay go ahead.
1: No. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, it's one of those of It's not been an overly impressive it, You know, we see that Rarity of drivers that can come out And just dominate uh, In a series I think what they're looking at is the fact of the Difference between the truck series and Xfinity And just like between the Xfinity And Cup, and I know I go back A ways back in history when you talk about d- Drivers like Jimmy Johnson That really didn't do anything in the Xfinity But look at what he did in Cup so I think that's where they're giving that opportunity to Haley Deegan. Um, and you're right. Uh, he didn't, uh, didn't try and sugarcoat what's, what's happened so far. They're well aware of it, and they're not going to try and deny that. But I tie it back to uh, talking about the previous topic with, with a handle, how you handle a driver. You're still supporting your driver. Has this gone the best? No. We're going to try something different. Go with the Xfinity series and see how that pans out and what we want to build. Uh, and I know we, go, we talk about this with several organizations. You've got to start somewhere, and it's not always at the top. There are a few that can, but most of them don't. You have to build from the bottom up. And I think you know, we mentioned the 13th place finish, I believe it was, that she had showed that the talent and capability is there. So it's a matter of sustaining that and building upon it to make it better.
0: Okay, now, Mike.
2: The phrase that I like to to use with this is uh, bloom where you're planted. And that's my biggest concern with Deegan is she has not bloomed where she has been planted. Uh, She had, I believe, two seasons in the number one truck and then uh, one season now in the Thor Sport number 13. And realistically, over the course of her three seasons in the truck series, there really hasn't been any improvement. Um, It's been flatlined. She hasn't done substantially worse, but the problem is with three years of experience in this series, she hasn't done better either. Now, you could chalk that up to, well, maybe her driving style isn't compatible with the truck series or, or the equipment. I don't think you can say that Thor sport equipment isn't good enough to give her the opportunity to be successful. So you really can't even blame the equipment, especially not this year. But the fact that her performance and the results have been, more or less flat for all three seasons in the truck series is probably my biggest concern there. If she had gone to to DGR and started in the lower 20s and then worked her way up to being regularly in the top 15 and then worked her way up into being in the top 10 at four sport, even if she didn't get any wins, that consistent improvement would have given me a whole lot more optimism for Haley Deegan going in as opposed to her three-year tenure in the truck series where she has been a middle-of-the-pack truck, for all three of those years. She has some bright spots, and she has a lot of low spots. And the biggest concern is if you were to just stack the results of her three seasons next to each other, kind of shuffle them up, it would be almost impossible for you to pick out which result was which season. You know, her, her performance in her third full-time season in the truck series is almost equal to her performance in the first her first full-time series in the truck series. And that's my biggest concern with her. If she gets over to the Xfinity Series and does well at AM Racing, great. I I mean, I think we all want to see a female driver be successful at NASCAR. It would mean a lot for our sport, for the publicity for it, for the outreach, et cetera, but it's got to be organic. It's got to be based on her performance, not about her marketability, not about her social media presence, not about anything that has to do with off-the-track stuff. It has to be on her performance. We saw with Janica Patrick where – a middle-of-the-road performing driver was pushed extremely hard just by virtue of being a female driver. And in a lot of ways, I almost feel like that does more harm than good because now every single female driver, whenever they have a hiccup, and Haley Deegan has had plenty, they immediately get labeled, this is going to be the next Danica Patrick. This is just, it's a pretty face that's going to get pushed too far until the poor performance becomes impossible to ignore. And I really, really hope that doesn't happen with Deegan. I hope she does find her stride at AM Racing in the Xfinity Series. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned that the performance in the truck series does not lend itself to optimism about her success in the Xfinity series.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that there are certain series that are more suited to certain drivers. Ron Hornaday is a good example. He raced in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series. He found his home in the truck series. Um Uh, Justin Algauer raced in the Cup Series, found his home in the Xfinity Series. I think that Haley Deegan may find a home, and I'm saying may. Uh, I kind of see Deegan as kind of a double-edged sword. I think she may find a home in the Xfinity Series. In her Xfinity Series runs, as Mark Rushforth has pointed out, she has done well. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what she does do next season in the Xfinity Series, um, Johnny Sauter is another good example. He raced in the Cup Series, Xfinity Series. He found his home in the in the Truck Series. Um, I, I don't. I do think that certain drivers find a place that works best for them. Truck Series was not. Haley Deegan's forte by any stretch of the imagination she did not do well in it didn't matter what equipment she was in she did not do well and she was in some good equipment and and I think Ford recognizes that but they also see something they see a potential for her in the Xfinity series and I think that's justified so we'll see what she does next season and we'll see, you know, if if this is a place that she can kind of build her career. But I think the double-edged sword for Haley Deegan is she has, for me anyway, I think back to some of the races that she won in the Arkham Menards Series, uh, where she kind of knocked some of her competitors out of the way. It created headlines and a lot of chatter, but it didn't it didn't gain her any respect as a driver. So I'm hoping that when she comes into the Xfinity series, that that's not the way that she tries to find her success. I hope that she goes after it uh, with legitimate driving skill. And, uh, you know, time's going to tell the rest of this story. I think it's premature to judge her before she has that chance in the Xfinity series, especially given that she's had some good runs there. So, We'll see what happens and how the rest of the story unfolds. Brian, what is your thought?
3: I think Mike took all the thoughts, like, right out of my head. Um, His line of, you know, you can mix up all three of her seasons and not really be able to tell any difference or improvement, and that's exactly what the numbers support. Um, Average finish over her three-year truck career, 21st, 22nd, 21st. Let's come across two different quality truck series teams. And no top fives, only five top tens across those three seasons, and just two laps led. It just you haven't just seen any improvement really at all, in my opinion. Now, obviously, far from any expert, obviously Ford sees something there. I'm sure people on her team and in, in her camp see some some improvement and stuff there as well. But the numbers have not supported any improvement. I don't really think she should be moving up, and I don't really think that AM Racing, unless they're going to have some stark improvement from prior years, is going to be a solid enough team for her to see that level of success in the Xfinity Series next year. So I think it's too soon. I do appreciate, you know, Rushbrook, for- being, you know, fairly transparent, at least in his comments, of saying, you know, her performance isn't what we expected. I think that's good. Sometimes you just hear, you know, a lot of PR speak when it comes to these things, and I think he's at least giving some honesty back, and uh, it'll be something to see. And I think, you know, Mike's also said a pest again. I think we all want to see a female be successful. it's just I think you continue to push push them along, and it's not the right fit. So um, I guess we'll see, and uh, <clears throat> that's going to be a storyline to look, look at in the Xfinity Series season in 2024.
0: Okay, Andy, your follow-up?
3: Brian brings up a really good point. You know,
4: going into next year, um, it would have been, I think, fantastic to see her get paired with Stuart Haas Racing, who I think is the A Ford Xfinity program. Um, I hope that AM Racing has done or will do some things in the off season to give Haley a fighting chance. I think that's really the concern that I have, Is is I kind of look at her situation for next year and I go, I uh, mean, because like Brett Moffitt is an insanely talented race car driver that has made a difference everywhere he's gone. And I think his expectations fell short this year. Um, he drove for AM racing full time in the 25 car. And I expected that team with him to be more of a contender to win. And they just hadn't done that. So I'm hoping that some stuff changes in the off season that gives Haley that chance because if you're going to go do this, you want to see her have that chance. And I think that if they had said Haley Deegan will drive the stewart Haas 98 next year, I would have thought, okay, that's good. You know, she's got a fighting chance to go into this with the right people and the right resources. Um, you know, but I don't have that same feeling for, for what AM racing has presently shown. So I'm hoping that they'll give her the right resources and the right, um, you know, equipment to go get the job done next year, um, you know. And it, it's it's interesting looking at her situation specifically because in the same press conference, Mark Rushbrook stated that they place a higher emphasis on their truck series program because they think that they, there's more value in that, and they actually place a lesser, lesser emphasis on driver development with their Xfinity series program and cited Todd Gilliland as an example of someone that went straight from Trex to Cup and has done reasonably well. Um, he didn't mention Zane Smith, probably because Zane is going to Chevrolet, but Zane Smith is another example of someone that has been successful in Trek and is going straight to Cup. So it's interesting that he made both comments, but the, in the exact same press conference, basically said the exact opposite for Haley Deegan. But that in itself, Proves that every driver works a little bit differently. Their driving style is a little bit differently. And there's no doubt she has one Xfinity Series start to her credit, I believe, which was Las Vegas last year. I don't believe she's made more than one start. I would have to look that up. But it was it was pretty good. It was in um, the 07 car, um, which was led by what is effectively the double zero team this year for Stuart Haas. It was one of those hybrid deals where they used the, um, uh, SS Greenlight car number type thing, you know, and ran a third FHR car, whatever it was. Um, and she did pretty well, but that was with top equipment, top personnel, top everything. So we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, it's she's already got the spotlight on her going into next year, um, you know, and, and hopefully she does well. I mean, honestly, her going out and winning races would be really, really good for, for everybody. So, you know, hopefully that's what takes place.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Well, I think think it was you, Sharon, that called it the double-edged sword. Uh, Yeah, we want to see the opportunity. We want to see success out of it. But even if there isn't that 100% winning race is success, it still does bring attention, which is a good thing. And And I go back to Danica Patrick as one. The attention it brought was good for the sport. However, then, if there isn't success, then it becomes the other side of that sword of, well, then what was it? Just a publicity stunt or whatever. Uh, but we know that throughout multiple reasons, drivers or whatever end up in certain positions. And I was trying to come up with the two names. Uh, I believe it's Jordan Taylor and Mike Rockefeller. When it comes to a road course race, if they're available and you can put them in the car, you do. What results, great results have we seen from that? Not a lot but they're still going to get those opportunities because of the name and the attention it brings with it. So, you know, it's not like it's only being done with females or only being done with this. Some of it, and I know Mike's going to follow me here, some of it is sponsors. I mean, when you look at some of the drivers at the cup level, are they based on name, sponsorship, whatever it be, their stat line isn't going to necessarily say they ought to be at NASCAR's top level, but they are. So that's just a fact of life, unfortunately, in the the in what we're dealing with when it comes to talent versus sponsorship or whatever else the reason is.
0: Okay, Mike, your follow-up?
2: Well, Jay brings up sponsorship, but if you look at Haley Deacon, she doesn't really have a lot of sponsorship anymore. The majority of the races that she's run in the truck series this year, if you pay attention to what's on the truck, Their internal sponsorship, you see Ford Performance on the truck, or you see the NASCAR Foundation, things that aren't outside companies coming in and supporting, uh, in this case, Haley Deegan, but the truck in general, those really haven't materialized for her. And on top of that, her marketability is not what it used to be, or at least not what everyone seems to think that it is. Uh, I think it was I could be wrong because I'm coming off uh, out of memory here. But they released a list of the five most marketable drivers, female drivers in NASCAR right now, and Haley Deegan was not in that top five. She was behind Natalie Decker. So if Natalie Decker is more marketable than Haley Deegan, I'm not saying that Decker needs another opportunity because she's absolutely proven that she does not merit it. But this this, uh, assumption that Haley Deegan is somehow – infinitely marketable just isn't panning out anymore and i think a lot of it has to do with the performance uh, she is somewhat polarizing on social media she's outspoken about some things that are somewhat controversial i'm not going to get into the specifics but uh suffice to say she has turned off some people with regard to what she has said on social media and i think that marketability and the, the inherent sponsorship just isn't necessarily there with her right now so what she really needs is the performance and right and as of yet, the performance has not followed her either. We need to see performance out of Haley Deegan next year in the AM racing car. And I understand that that's not necessarily an A-tier piece of equipment like other, other guys on this panel have said. But back to my original point, bloom where you're planted, right? She's getting an opportunity. Isn't it the very, very best opportunity? No, probably not. But if you look at a driver like Matt Benedetto, he is famous for blooming where he's planted. Uh, he goes to, to race teams and he grossly outperforms what people expect out of the equipment. Look what he did in the 25 truck. He took that truck in two years. He took that truck from a nobody backmarker one step away from being a starting park to he took him to victory lane one time, and he took him into the playoffs this year. Um, It ended ugly. We don't know exactly why it ended like that, but uh, the Benedetto performed very, very well, and it wasn't very good. And he did it at several other teams, Team Penske-Wood Brothers notwithstanding, but he's a good example of taking what you've got and getting the absolute best that you can out of it. And that's what we need to see out of Haley Deegan next year. She won't probably be in the best equipment on the racetrack, but she at least needs to get out of that car what we expect her to get out of that car, probably top 20 to top 15 every single weekend, barring some sort of a, an issue. But she needs to be consistently competing for, for at least top fifteen if not knocking on the door of the top ten or else at some point, I think that point is soon, you've got to stop trying to defend her because it's just indefensible at that point.
0: Yeah, I'll go back to what I said before. Haley Degan is a double-edged sword. There is no doubt about it. It depends on how she handles this second-chance opportunity that she's getting. Um, And if she handles it well, and she does it what mike's talking about that starts racing in the top 15 uh in secondary equipment then 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 i think that we have uh somebody who's maybe found a place in the Xfinity series um My question is, will Haley Deegan handle the second opportunity chance that she's been given? And that's yet to be determined. So uh, I'm kind of anxious to see what happens if we're going to see the sharp edge of the sword or if we're going to see that duller edge of the sword uh, that has gotten her nowhere. So Let's see how the season plays out. And you guys all bring up really good points. I'm not disputing any of the points that you're bringing up. I'm just saying let's give her a chance and let's see what happens uh, in this next season, and we'll see whether she's on that sharp edge or if she's on that duller edge. Okay, Brian, you get the final word.
3: Yeah, I think just to kind of wrap it up, that round made a couple of of really good points. Number one, I think if she had been going into that number 98 Stuart Hossack's in any car, I would feel a lot better about it. The team around it, the funding around it, um, you know, the, the Cup Series team that it feeds into, such a better situation, in my, obviously, and that's just my opinion. as just the, the cold hard facts. And then also it's a great point that the panel made as well. Like her marketability just doesn't seem to be the same as when she into the truck series. You don't see as many sponsors on that truck, so, You know, it it, it would appear that she's not bringing maybe as much funding as you would think either. So really how good is AM Racing going to be and how successful is she going to be? I think another season in the truck series in a well-funded Ford truck would have been the better option. But maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. I guess we'll see in
0: 2024. (laughs) Okay. Andy, you get to bring up the next topic. Well, speaking
4: of Stewart House Racing, their 2024 lineup got even a little more clearer. Uh so um, I almost called him stone cold, but <laughs> Cold Cluster. Uh back in the double zero Infinity car for next year.
0: Okay, Jay, your thoughts.
2: Well that's what that was the topic I was looking to bring up before we ended
1: the show. Uh the Haley Deegan one didn't bring up enough controversy, so we'll bring up this one. Uh it's been heavily rumored of who's gonna go into the number ten. We finally got word that Eric Almarola is not returning. Still left the door open then as to who Cole Custer being one possibly to return to the Cup Series and has shown, uh, Sharon, this might be one you you talked about, of finding a home in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Two victories that came on the road, as we talked about in the preview show, but in uh, championship contention yet again uh, as he has come back to the Xfinity Series. So maybe that's the direction they feel that Cole Custer is in that position of that's his home is the Xfinity Series. I really thought he would have at least been up in consideration for returning to the Cup Series. Again, I'm not in the inner workings and sponsors and contracts and all that, but it was officially announced that he would be back in the double zero. We all kind of assumed it, uh, being that it hadn't gotten word that he was moving up so I'm happy to see it. I hope he's in championship contending uh, form again next year. And we've got to see this weekend as far as where he even ends up this year. But he definitely can thrive in the Xfinity Series. Whether or not we see him move to the Cup or go to another team later on in, in the Cup and get that opportunity, don't know. But he can in the Xfinity Series. We saw that when he was getting ready to leave. He was part of the big three of the Xfinity Series at the time. Had a three-year span in the Cup, got one win, but it was nothing spectacular. Again, a lot of different reasons you could say the direction of the company, the direction of the manufacturer, whatever it be, comes back to the Xfinity Series win and race, contending for championships. You got to give it that, and I'm happy to see him be back in that ride then next year, if nothing else, because we know what that team can do.
0: Okay, Mike, your thoughts?
2: Well, Jay said the S-word, right? Sponsorship. Cole Custer has none. If you look at the double the zero car, almost every single race that Cole Custer has run in that double zero car, you see Haas Automation on the hood. That's Gene Haas reach, reaching into his own pocket to put the name of his company on the car. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that Gene's losing money on the deal. We've seen Rick Hendrick repeatedly say that he has a return on investment from putting HendrickCars.com on Kyle Larson's car, but the fact that uh, Gene Haas is having to sponsor Cole Custer, and that number 10 says that Custer does not have that outside funding. And with the loss of Anheuser-Busch, as well as other sponsors, Stuart Haas Racing, and at Smithfield, especially in the 10 car, Stuart Haas Racing is in the position where they probably can't afford another internal sponsorship. There's a lot of internal sponsorship already in the upside, especially on the number 14 and the 41, where you see Haas automation on those cars as well. So having a third car, an underfunded car in the Cup Series that doesn't have sponsorship associated with probably just a bridge too far for Stuart Haas Racing to cover. Uh, That's nothing against Cole Custer. As you guys have said, he's had a decent season in the Xfinity Series. Definitely uh, a little bit off the pace from what we expected, especially earlier in the year when he was really running pretty uh, pretty slow. Um, But they seem like they picked it up, especially in the back half of the season here, so good for them. as far as what that means for Cole Custer, well, he gets another opportunity. Obviously, he gets an opportunity this weekend to win an Xfinity Series championship, and he's going to get a chance to win either a second one or get another crack at his first one here going into next year. We talked about the number 10 car in the Cup Series. This this solves one question, right? Cole Custer was definitely on the short list of people that we said might end up in the ten car, but now we know that's not the gun there. Well, we talked a lot about Noah Gregson and, and maybe some other candidates who might end up in, end up in the ten car. That's a different discussion, but at least we now know that Cole Custer is going to be back in the Xfinity Series. Who ends up in the Cup Series number ten, we don't know yet, but that's uh, we're going to talk about it at some point, I'm sure.
0: Okay, Brian.
3: Yeah, a lot to kind of in that one, not just with Custer saving in the Xfinity Series, but more what's happening with Stuart Haas at the cup level, right? They're losing, obviously, Harvick's veteran leadership and presence from the team. And they're losing a lot of funding with Bush and Smithfield not being back and Amarillo being gone as well, another veteran presence on that team. So a lot going on there for sure. And, and honestly, with, with that much change in transition, maybe not the best time for Custer to make that bump back up to the cup series. It obviously was a struggle for him the first time around. And, you know, if I'm Custer, I'm looking at the, the stats from the last several seasons – I'd much rather be getting 13 top fives and 20 top tens and competing for the title in the Xfinity Series than going and running 20th 25th every week at the cup level. So another year, maybe two, maybe longer down there, and, and maybe he'll move up, or maybe he'll be one of those drivers that finds that home in the Xfinity series for a while going forward, but I think you know Haas is in a tough spot for a tough spot for next year with losing their their veteran drivers and their sponsorship, and you know it's a, it's going to be a tough one. But I'll be excited to see they put in that 10 car. I do hope it's Noah Gregson. I think it'll be a interesting dynamic, but a, a very young young team um, on experience and probably a lot of work to do if they want to be more competitive than they have been these last handful of seasons.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, Brian. One thing that. Um, uh, nobody's mentioned yet either, is that I think the partnership with Cole Custer and Riley Earp has been a really good partnership in the Xfinity Series. And I think it's helped to strengthen both of those drivers. Um, You're right, Custer hasn't had the year that we saw him have in the Xfinity Series before he left. But I think he had his hands full, too, (laughs) with working with Riley Herbst. Uh, those two have been friends for a long time, and and I know they communicate a lot with one another uh, with regard to racing. And for both of them to be racing in the Xfinity Series, I think is a very, very good thing. And uh, I do think that uh, it's a good place for Cole Custer. I'm kind of glad that he's not going to Stewart House Racing next season for all the reasons that Brian pointed out uh you've got so much going on within that organization. Um, uh I would rather see him and I think he would rather be as as Brian said in the Xfinity series because he can contend uh in that series. He's not contending in the cup series. So I think it's a good move. Uh and we'll see uh how Well, these guys do next year, uh, but I think they strengthen each other, and I think that's proven itself out uh, throughout the season. Uh, I'm giving uh, Cole a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here uh, because it was a transition year for him coming from the Cup Series and racing that next-gen car and coming back to the Xfinity Series. Uh, and, and making the adjustment to being back in that Xfinity car full time. So I think next year we're going to see good things from Cole Custer. I think he'll be back in the championship for next season. And, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Riley Erickson isn't sitting there right beside him. So we'll see what happens. Um uh, Andy?
4: I think this is the right move for Cole at this particular moment in time. You know, certainly in my mind, I would have liked to have seen him gotten an opportunity in the 10 car next year to get back to the Cup series. But, you know, it all comes down to funding and Mike already pointed out that he is largely funded by Gene Haas. And it makes probably more economical sense for him to stay in the Xfinity Series. And honestly, from a competition standpoint, I think it makes more sense for him to get into the, you know, or remain in the Xfinity Series, where he's had a good year. Um, You know, I certainly thought going into this season that he would win a a ton of races. Um, That hasn't exactly happened, but nonetheless, he's won a couple of races. He didn't the Final Four going for a championship. And honestly, that's really all that matters when it's all said and done is having that opportunity to win a title this, this uh, Saturday. So it's been a good comeback for him in the Xfinity Series. And I think given the uh, dire conditions that the cut programs are in right now, especially staring at an offseason in which you're going to lose your marquee driver in Harvick and, you know, probably Al and really more with him, the funding that comes with Smithfield. I would probably want to stay put. I I don't have very high hopes for next year. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, the only thing I'll say about Gregson is that I think he has sponsors, and that's probably why he's going to go into the 10 card. You know I, mean, I think, obviously, FHR needs to fill some voids with the loss of Anheuser-Busch. I have, in Smithfield, two big sponsors that are set to leave after this season, so... Um, you gotta do what you gotta to do to, to pay the bills and you can see why they would do that. Um but yeah, as a as a Briscoe fan going into next year, I I don't know, I've already surrendered my white flag on this season. I I I'm pretty checked out to be honest. And you know, I haven't even watched the last couple of race weekends. I'm just looking forward to getting this over with and, and seeing what next year brings.
0: Oh, okay. Jay, your follow up.
1: Well, two things. This is one I look at. Of We've seen it with John Hunter Nemechek um, go, stepping out of the Cup Series, go back to the Truck Series, and then the Xfinity Series. What he did for his career by doing so, we're kind of seeing that with Cole Custer. You know, the question was whether or not he could win. He only had the one race in the three-year stint, and that came in his rookie year. showing back, Going back and winning races, being part of the championship for the confidence level and everything else that brings with it. The other is, and I compare this to college racing, of it's not just Stuart Haas Racing Cup Series team. They have an Xfinity Series program as well. What's best for the organization? Sharon, you kind of hit on it, of what Cole Custer and Riley Herbst have built together. I mean, you look at the the improvement um, in what we've seen from Riley Herbst. So I think as an organization of Stuart Haas Racing – um it fits well now is that the ideal situation again that you know every driver if you're in in racing that's the the goal is to get to and be in the cup level but there are times when you need to take that step and you know i see it as, as sharon you talked about justin algar i mean that's that's where they found their home or ones that did in the truck series maybe that is where he is best suited we'll have to wait and see what the future holds but at least for right now And Brian is the one that brought up a couple of things of, you know, at this point, moving back up to the cup series, it'd almost be starting back over at ground zero, like he did when he came in to begin with. So being in the Xfinity series probably is the best uh, situation for him right now.
0: Mike.
2: I think in terms of competitiveness relative to the other teams on the racetrack, Stuart Haas Racing's Xfinity Series program is in a far, far better position than their Cup Series program right now. So if I'm Cole Custer, I'm kind of with uh, with Brian and Jay there where I'm not upset about being stuck in potentially race winning, championship winning equipment in the Xfinity Series versus the Cup Series teams that I think most objective observers are looking at as, as they would consider a good year to end up in the top 20, I think, for, uh, for most of those, if not all of those, Stuart Haas Racing Cup Series cars. So uh, Custer staying in the Xfinity series is probably the better way to go to keep his name out there. Because if he ended up in a cup series car in the number 10 or, or otherwise, he immediately throws his name back in into the hat. And it's inevitable that there'll be certain people saying, well, he slumped out of the cup series once and got fired and he's coming back and he's failing again. And I don't know that that would necessarily be fair to Custer either. Uh, it's, it's well-documented that Stewart Haas Racing on the Cup Series side is at a very weak season, and they're not exactly moving in the right direction unless they make some serious changes this off season. So for Custer to stay in the Xfinity Series and presumably remain successful in the Xfinity Series, I think that's going to go a lot further for preserving his brand and building that back up. So when Stuart Haas Racing or another competitive team is in need of a driver, They've got this hot Xfinity Series driver with Cole Custer, who has had another successful year, assuming 2024 goes his way, but he's got his name out there uh, and untainted by a poor year performance that seems inevitable with Stuart Haas Racing next year. So, yeah, everyone wants to get the cup, the notoriety, the money, et cetera, I'm sure is much, much better in cup. But at the same time, given the position that Stuart Haas Racing is in, it's probably a better move for Custer just to
3: stay in Xfinity and weather the storm. Okay, Brian, your follow-up? I think we hit on pretty much all the points. I just, uh, as we go around and talk about it, I'm, I'm kind of just bummed for the situation at Haas right now. I'm, like you mentioned, I'm a big Briscoe fan and supporter as well since covering him in his arcade days, And uh, I think it's going to be a struggle for them again in 2024. So I uh, try to remain upbeat up beat about it, but I think uh, they have a lot of work ahead of them to to get themselves back up to the, the level that they were once at.
0: Yeah, I'm a Briscoe fan too. As you guys know, we followed Briscoe, you know, from his uh, Canon Arcade days, and uh, I, I I really like Chase Briscoe. He's one of the drivers that have said, if you ever need somebody on the show, I I'm okay coming back because I like being on your show. Um, so, but I think Briscoe has shown some signs of doing pretty well, and I I hold out hope for him to be the real leader. Uh, Within that organization Next season Um, uh, We'll see what happens But I I think He's got the right temperament for it Uh, I'm not going to say Noah Gregson If he ends up being in that number 10 He's probably not going to be the easiest guy (laughs) uh, To manage Because Noah tends to have his own opinions About things But I, I do hold out some hope for Stuart Hawes. I know it's a rebuilding year for them they They've got a lot of young drivers that are driving over there at this point but um i do I do still hold out hope <laughs> that these guys will get that ship turned around and it may not be next year uh but i I think that they will get that ship turned around uh, i'm I'm holding out hope for that anyway um but I don't have a whole lot more to add with regard to Custer. I think we've pretty much covered it. Andy, you get to wrap it up.
4: Yeah, I think just, you know, specific to Custer, I think that, you know, this isn't a really good situation going into next year. I think, you know, important to note that the double zero team that he was with was really kind of a new team this year. Um, they were, Really, the um, they were the team that ran like a limited schedule the previous season, where they would run a, a BJ McLeod number and an SS Greenlight number. Um, they ran a number of races with Cole and I think some others last year. So this year was was really their first full season together as a team, and I think for them to go to the championship four, I think is a preview of their potential. I know they haven't won the number of races that a lot of us thought they would this year, but I think next year um, will be an even bigger season than this year. And I think that, you know, it's really smart for Cole to be in the Xfinity series. Like Mike talked about from a relevant standpoint, if you're out there having a really good season and you're winning races and your name's out there and in the spotlight, that is a, a better situation to be in than somebody who's, not doing well and, and struggling in the cup series. I've said it a bunch of different times that I would rather see a driver run really well in trucker vicinity um, than go and run 20th to 30th in a cup car on a weekly basis. Um, so I think Cole's in a really good situation for next year. To Jay and Sharon's point, I believe that it's really helped Riley Herbst. You know, I've been very critical of him over the last couple, three seasons. But what he did at Las Vegas a few weeks ago was was a proud moment for him and the team, honestly, to see him go out there and give that 98 card the run that I know it's capable of. It was really cool to see. And I think having a teammate, a veteran like Cole Custer, has elevated Riley's um, performance this year. And although he didn't make it probably as far as he wanted to in the playoffs, you know, who knows what next year is going to bring. But obviously um, – even though we the Cup side has some work to do and, and a lot a lot of questions, I think going into the off season, we know that the Xfinity program is probably in a good spot for next year.
0: Yeah, it seems like Riley's uh, been smiling a whole lot this year than last year for sure. Okay, we're on our final uh, wrap around. Uh, as we close out the show here I don't know if you guys want to do this But Jay I'll let you kind of be the deciding factor On it uh, If you want to give your your uh, championship favorites For all three series As you do your sign off Jay we'll start with you
1: Alright Well I think in the truck series I'm going to go Carson Hosovar uh, That one's kind of a tough one to even call But uh, I'll go Carson Hosovar There on the Xfinity side I think it's John Hunter Nemechek's year, especially with uh, Austin Hill as the strongest competitor uh, being bumped out, literally. Uh, on the cup side, I'm going to go HMS. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, that one's a tough one. I, I really think that one's going to be an interesting one. So I'm just going to say HMS. But you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Husman, Mopar MoparMJ8 on X, and Instagram as well.
0: Okay, Mike.
3: What's Axe? I've never heard of (laughs) Axe.
2: Still clear. Come on. Have to
1: embrace it. Have to embrace it.
2: Okay, Mike. Hi. So, uh, yeah, as far as the truck series goes, I've got to go with Carson Hosovar as well. That team has really turned it up at the end of this year, and they're on, a, they're on a wave of momentum that I don't think the other three contenders really have. The other three have been hot and cold at best this year, but Hosovar, especially in the back half of the season, has been nothing but hot. Over on the Xfinity Series side, that's another really tough one. Jay makes a great point about John Hunter Niemicek, but again, the momentum there with, John, with uh, Justin Allgaier. They have gotten very, very hot at the end of the year. I think this is the year that Justin Allgaier gets the monkey off his back. The hardest one to pick of all. This one is nearly impossible, but the NASCAR Cup Series is extremely difficult to pick. And if I'm going with momentum, I've got to say Ryan Blaney. But if I'm looking at overall season performance, my pick for the NASCAR Cup Series is William Byron. They are the only team this season that has been consistent week in, week out, regular season, playoffs. That number 2014 team has been wiped out this year. Extremely, extremely good. Uh, if, if, if the good side is Kyle Larson and the number five team shows up, Kyle Larson's a two-time champion. But if the bad side shows up, he finishes dead last like he did at Homestead. William Byron has the consistency. I think William Byron becomes the third active champion driving for Rick
0: Hendrick at the end of this weekend. All right, Brian. Oh, Mike underscore is on Twitter. Mike I'm underscore on Reddit. Oh, I'm sorry. I say that again, Mike.
2: Give me it uh, your Mike handle underscore is you know know Mike. on Twitter,
3: Mike Double
0: Underscore O oh, on Reddit. I almost forgot about it. Oh, okay, <laughs> I almost did too. Brian, you're next.
3: Oh uh, yeah, Brian Everly. The best way to follow on Twitter, or as Jay likes to call it nowadays, X. Uh, B Everly eighteen. Uh, as far as picks for this weekend in the Truck Series, I'm going Grant Enfinger. I think they're going to send GMS Racing out with a bang and on top. Uh, so pulling for those guys in the 23 team. Uh, When it comes to the Xfinity level, I do think that's a little bit tough, but I'm going to go with Allgaier, um, Illinois boy like myself. And he's had two wins at Phoenix in the past. I do think he can get it done this weekend, Um, and he's been on on a roll, I feel like, lately. When it comes to the cup level, uh, you guys touched on it already. I think that's probably the toughest one to pick. I could 110% make an argument for any of the four drivers. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson getting his second title. Uh, Again, very hot and cold, but I think they're going to be hot on Sunday. And I think they're going to get it done at the same time. William Byron's probably been the best driver statistically throughout the season. And Bell and Blaney are great on those short flat tracks as well. So I think, uh, any of those guys can win. And I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I hope we get a great race and and no controversy, um, on Sunday. I just want to see a great race and, and maybe the best of those four guys win.
0: Okay. Andy, your, your turn.
4: I think in the track series, um, it'd be so cool to see Grant Infinger do it um, only from the standpoint of that team is going away after this weekend. Um, plus I think, you know, he's been really good on the, uh, the short tracks this year. So um, be really cool to see that. That's who I'm hoping for anyway, out of those four on the Xfinity side, as much as I want to see Cole Custer do it. Um, I think it's really tough to bet against all that's what my gut's telling me. So probably going to see all win that one. And on the cup side, hands down, I'm thinking Kyle Larson.
0: All right. Uh, you want to give your your uh, handle and stuff?
4: Uh, yeah, TB14 fan on uh, Twitter, also known as X or whatever you choose to call it.
0: Okay. Always Twitter to me. It is uh, fan for racing site and uh, fan for racing blog and radio on Facebook as well as our web. Uh, for me uh I with, I'm with you guys I'd love to see Infinger win it but I think Hosovar has a lot of momentum on his side right now and uh I'm going I'm picking Hosovar for this weekend if in I'd be happy with any of them winning it, to be honest with you. Same thing in the Xfinity Series. I'd be happy for any of them to win it. But I'm going to go with the Illinois guy, too, Brian. I'm going to go with Al Gower. Uh I'd love to see him win that championship. It's been a long time coming, and uh I think he gets it done this weekend. And then in the Cup Series, hardest one for all of us to pick, without a doubt. Part of me wants to pick Bell. Uh but the other part of me is saying I think Blaney's got the momentum on his side in this series right now. And uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say Blaney takes it all this weekend. Um so, a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate everybody for doing that, and then also to our fan for racing crew here. Wow, full house today with Mike Brian, Andy, Jay, and myself uh all tackling the hot topics here and we actually got three big ones in and uh, in Four, if you count the uh, picks for the uh, championship this weekend. So thanks to you guys. It's been a great year. This is our last preview show, but we have one more review show coming up on Monday, and uh, we'll review the races that are taking place this weekend and uh, do our Hot Topic sound off uh, our final one of the year coming up on Monday. So maybe we can get everybody in on that, Mike. If, or I mean, Brian, I know you usually do Thursdays, uh, but I'm hoping you and Tommy uh, can join us on Monday night, if at all possible.
3: Yeah, I think that sounds good. It'll be a nice way to wrap up the season, and I'm sure we'll all have some, some tired-up thoughts after uh, three days of racing in Phoenix.
0: Okay, thank you. And uh, with that, guys, I think we'll call it a day. And... Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the race this weekend. It's going to be so much fun to watch. And uh, honestly, I'm going to be happy no matter who wins the championship. I think there are good candidates all across the board. So we'll see what Sharon, happens.
1: Sharon you, Sharon, you left out a shout-out there.
0: Who did I leave out?
1: Your, yourself. Uh, you mentioned it. This is the last preview show. I know we got a review show, but... On behalf of the fan for racing team, I want to thank you for giving us this opportunity. You hear it in our voices when we talk about it. We so enjoy talking, racing, and giving our opinions and having these discussions. But want to thank you for, for providing this and allowing us all to be on here.
0: Uh, well, my, it's my pleasure. Go ahead, Mike.
2: I was just giving a hearty for to Jay's uh, opinion there. I wholeheartedly agree.
0: Hey, I know where that all comes from. <laughs> okay, well, I've had a lot of fun with you guys, and uh, I really appreciate each and every one of you for your own contributions, and it's been awesome. And uh, I can't wait. I've got some ideas. In fact, I'm going to be in touch with you guys via our Teams app because I've got some ideas for next season, and I want to bounce that off of you guys and get your opinions about it. So watch for that over on the Teams app. Uh, With that, let's look forward to the weekend of racing and call it a wrap for today.
4: Have a good
2: afternoon. Have a
0: good one. Enjoy
2: the races. Wait